welcome to Exit Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper. With me, coming off of Ellis Island, it's uh, Claire Williams. Man, I, I, you know how a lot of people from, you know, like when coming into the country, they could just change their name? I wonder what I would change my name to. Mm. Like, uh, I know Max there's, O'Connell there's... would be mine. Max, yeah, yeah, Max O'Connell would be yours. <laughs> Uh, I would be Jack. I would be Jack Draper then. Uh, uh, oh man, it's it's a shame Stop we don't have a fourth life. person. Yeah, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh man, what if you like you traveled back in time? And you could just be like uh, Michael Jordan, just like. Or I guess I guess in your case you have two options with Lee Phoenix, right? So you'd be like, I'll take your first name, your first stage name. Right. I see what you're saying. Yes, sure. Or no, Leaf is that his works. real name, and then Joaquin is the stage name. Wait, uh, I didn't. Wait, I didn't know no, that. No, I, I, I think he changed his name legally to Joaquin. Oh wow, Leaf! Like Leaf is his... like they. Were, I mean, they, they were. He's credited in Parenthood as Lee Phoenix. I'm pretty sure that's the the, the, the Phoenix family uh, has kind of an interesting background where uh, they were part of a a uh, cult at a, at one point. The I believe they were called the Children of God, and uh, they eventually is uh, you know left that, um, and uh, yeah, I, they they all had uh, nature based names, you know, summer, rain, leaf, uh, river, river, um, right, and uh, yeah, uh, Joaquin uh, changed his name to Joaquin at one point. I, I can't remember if he was uh, born leaf or or uh, not, but um, I know that um, you know. I think Glenn Close was uh, raised in a similar situation. It's it's been Whoa. a while since I, I I looked on that. It might have been a different call, but I want to say it was still Children of God. Hollywood's fucking crazy, man. Just like <laughs> uh, wow, <laughs> Leaf Leaf Phoenix. I didn't know any. I didn't know that, but that makes sense though. Like, because I don't know. I'm how many people are named River? Like, is that is that? Am I just out of touch? Is that like a name that people have? Like River. I like River as a name more than Leaf. Some I do too. Even if yeah, it is River's way better. Yeah. River is way I, I better. I know some Rivers. Yeah. That's yeah. sick. <laughs> I know that's like a last name, like, you know, but yeah, River, yeah, Rivers, I, I wouldn't be mine. Ooh, maybe I'll just change my name to River, you know, River <laughs> Williams. Where'd you keep it the last looks, name? I'm, I'm looking at it. It looks like it was a different um, cult that Close's family was in, but I know that was a similar kind of just really rough, uh, you know, uh, experience growing up for her right i would assume so i mean <laughs> cults are no good very bad don't do it uh speaking wow. of cults i i'm really into the uh the idea of leo uh, to, uh playing jim jones like that, that seems like an interesting casting that at the time of this happened just came out recently who's directing that I, yeah I I was gonna people are right people are rumoring bennett miller but i don't think it's been confirmed well, he hasn't done anything in a while. He doesn't. Yeah. Oh, it's been. It's I mean, been since Foxcatcher. Fox Catcher yeah. Yeah. Twenty fourteen. And people like make that joke because he only, what like Capote and Moneyball, like he only comes out of his basement to make Oscar bait movies, which is like that's pretty funny. But um, he did one documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Um, wow. Max O'Connell's here with us. No. Oh. Oh, no, 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 yeah, go ahead, sorry. I, I don't was know that I was actually introduced. <laughs> um, yeah, Max is here. How's it going? 
I, I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Lovely to have you. Um, something we'd like to hear from all of our guests is how you first got into film. And and I'm very, very curious with you especially. Just um, if there's a movie that you can think of that where you're like, oh, my God, i got to pursue this as a passion. Uh, it was Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> Awesome. It's awesome. not a joke. Um, okay, this no, is like, I know. Yeah, the not, best answers yeah, awesome. we've heard. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, you know, as a, as a kid, I, I grew up watching uh, monster movies on, on TV, and uh, TNT had this thing called Monster Vision, um, where they would have marathons of monster movies, and they had uh, Godzilla marathons. So uh, my first movie love was Godzilla, and I think, uh, yeah, Mothra versus Godzilla was the, uh, the one I rewatched most often. Did you tape it? Yeah, we taped all of them. I, I uh, would go to the TV guide all the time and uh, you know, have a couple of requests uh, for right. things to tape. You had to ask your parents to tape them, like, "Hey, oh, you yeah. got this one, this one, and this one." Like at your at your time, you know, at this time, make sure you put that tape in, get it set, and I need to, you know, I need this, I, I need this by tomorrow, basically. I don't think I put it that way. No, you didn't. Think, you didn't. No, do it? I think they knew if they gave me another Godzilla movie, I would be quiet for two hours. Yeah, that's that no. sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, that was like kind of like my. I mean, she didn't tape anything, but like, all right, here's a Batman the animated series DVD. Please just stop talking. <laughs> yeah, DVR. You're saying, was, you're was saying big DVD, and and that's just so you know that that's it. by that point I'm I'm. I guess not quite a teenager, but you know, a few years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, we had, I mean, there was definitely like a Toy Story VHS running around for sure. Like, but I was pretty young at that point. Sure. Uh, you know, um, I might have been a VHS actually. Oh yeah, it's it's like DVRing was big uh, for me too. That we just we were like, oh my god, this and that was on cable, and it was it was almost as if. That was like my going to Blockbuster is saving it from when it was uh, running on cable. Because um, yep. I never, I never, like, I knew of Blockbusters as a kid, um, but I never, I never like pursued it as as something that I got to like experience. Which, which is like in retrospect, it's kind of a bummer. Um, we had Blockbuster. We had a couple of other video stores we would frequent. There was this one uh, where I around where I grew up called Video Empire that was uh, that was terrific. Uh, had an entire shelf full of Godzilla movies. So uh, you know, of course, it was my favorite place in the world as nice. a five year old. And so you was that like... your next step after Godzilla and Mothra? Was all right now all of the Godzilla movies. That's that's mm. the and then I was the just going to ask the same thing. Movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I I would try to catch anything um you know anything that i had heard of that that sounded exciting to me i I know when i was a kid it was uh i think steven spielberg was the first director name i recognized so i look for you know the guy who made jurassic park uh if his name is listed i'll I'll watch that or if there's you know some other sort of monster movie that's going to be on tv i will uh request that as long as it's not r-rated because then my parents aren't going to let me watch it um, right. And I don't know, it, it gradually proceeded to an interest beyond, uh, you know, the usual monster movies and, and comedies and Disney movies that that I grew up watching. But um, that is probably, yeah, the, that is where it started. Did it ever go into, you know, was it just like Japanese 
monster movies, or did it go into like Universal, Frankenstein, Dracula? Oh no, I love those. Yeah, I I, I mm-hmm. loved Boris Karloff as a kid. I loved Bela Lugosi. I I, I mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of those taped. Yeah, and then you're like, Mom, Rowan Eimerick has this sweet movie coming out about Godzilla. I gotta catch this. Oh, I, like, that I was your Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, really? I saw yeah. Rowan Eimerick's Godzilla in the theater <laughs> opening night. Uh, I was I was so excited. There was no possibility uh, my dad was not going to take me to that. Were you like, uh, oh my god, those guys were like Siskel and Ebert <laughs> when they riffed on I, that. Was I aware of Siskel and Ebert yet at that point? I don't know. I think that might have been a couple of years after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I was, I was seven years old, so I, I liked it. Yeah. Right. Of course. No, of course. Was, wait, what, was your dad also into the monster, was into monster movies too? Was that like maybe the origin? Uh, I mean, he was into all, all sorts of stuff, but yeah, I mean, he loved, uh, he loved those things. Uh, he still watches those from time to time. He, he was looking forward to the new one. Uh, my, and, uh, the entire, uh, family's talking about Godzilla, except mom who, has no interest in seeing a new Godzilla movie. Poor Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What what did, what did he do? You know, he's just existing, just terrorizing, you know, cities and stuff. It's like, you know, doesn't yeah. have to be Eventually, my dad, my dad uh, introduced me to other stuff. I think the, I saw The Godfather when I was like 10, so that was Hell yeah. kind of a, that's kind of Hell pretty yeah. sweet. a yeah. gateway as well. For a ten-year-old, you like just go to the elementary school and just start yeah. doing Marlon Brando impersonations. Just like, what, what <laughs> yeah. are you doing? I don't. I don't think I did that. No. Uh, <laughs> Better no, yet, you're I, like I, Tom Hanks in uh, "You've Got Mail." Like just. <laughs> what? The, the you're like Tom Hanks in "You've Got Mail" doing Brando impressions. No, I Is that, I've, I've never seen, seen it. that at, at, at ten years old. Oh yeah, there's there's a bit about Meg Ryan complaining that all men love The Godfather, but it's, yeah, I just tried to. Is that a complaint? Or is that maybe a tr- like a good thing or an attribute? You know, it's I'm not thing? doing the joke at uh, uh, the right service. I, I remember. I know. I remember the joke. It's <laughs> it's um, it's been a little while. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? Uh, oh yeah, I feel like you mentioned that Spielberg was like the first director you you recognized. I feel like that's with like almost anyone of the last thirty years. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like you, you think about that. Like. I'm pretty sure he was either him or Lucas was my first director that I like. Oh, that's a director. That's the name. Yeah. That's like a headliner. Like that's not like you know an actor is an act. Like this is a Spielberg movie, not a Tom. You may not movie. know what like, a director does, but you know that there's someone that makes the movie, and Spielberg is and their name like, is important. Yeah, the most common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it was through like uh, reading up on on Spielberg and and Lucas, I got a little more interested in some of their influences. I remember like at a certain point, Turner classic uh, movies became just regular viewing for me. And, uh, you know, knowing that, that like Lucas was influenced by say one kind of Western or, or that right. he liked Kurosawa was like, okay, I'll check that out. And I'm, I'm already watching uh, Godzilla movies. So at a young age, it's not that much of a jump. No, mm-hmm. no, no, Yeah, that's true. Especially, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, I wasn't exposed to black and white films at a young age. I don't really know what was my first one, but I just, I maybe like It's a Wonderful Life or something, but I, I, I don't know if I was hesitant. Oh, no, I feel like it was Harvey. I feel like I caught Harvey, the funny movie. I feel like I caught that on like TCM or something and was like, all right, I guess I'm watching this now. Um, 
Yeah, like the Kelly's Heroes was also, and that's not in black and white, but like one of the like, oh, this is an old movie that I like. Weird. Like I, Kelly's Heroes was like, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but it was like weirdly like my favorite movie for like five years, no, three or four years or something like that. It's like, <laughs> that is and they would ask like eleven-year-old Clay, "Hey, what's your favorite movie?" I think it's Kelly's Heroes. I'm like what? <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> it's hard. It, it just was always on. On it was always on. On like especially like during Christmas for some reason, and they would have like oh here was an expert on tie on like you know tiger or Panzer tanks from World War Two. What do you think about Kelly's Heroes, dude? <laughs> He's like oh I, you know they you know it was always I was so fascinated with that movie and it's like it also it's like really long like via like TV plus commercials like three or four hours like it's like a long movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I yeah, you're really. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, you're like, uh, Mom, put away the Batman the Animated Series. Right, good. Right. This is all. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, Donald Sutherland, being like a very like he, he's like a sex. He's am also I, like very like sex obsessed. And am like, I wrong, or is Don Rickles in it? Yes, he is, and he yeah. plays a guy named Crab Game. Crab Crab Game. Right. <laughs> and Donald Sutherland plays Oddball. So and what age was this? This would be fun for you to to go back to for like a core memory. Oh, I, I think I've, I I think I went back to it like three or four years ago. Oh, I, I think yeah. it still holds up. It's it's a fun time. It's dudes being dudes in World War Two. Oh, I guess I wasn't thinking about hold the movie holding up. I guess it's more like since you can you held it right. So close. Do I still have that vested yeah, interest? Yeah, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember like yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't like oh yeah favorite movie obviously what am i talking about you know get you know the thing get that away carpenter you don't know what you're doing it's kelly's heroes from a director i can't even if you put a gun to my head i don't know who directed that movie um but yeah that was that you have I, a guess i, I weirdly remember that yeah max do you know who directed kelly's heroes <laughs> it's not coming to me no it was kelly yeah, actually that, that's yeah, why it was called kelly's heroes it was kelly yeah yeah, it looks like it's just a studio journeyman. It's Brian Hutton. Um, yeah. Yeah. Brian G. Hutton. Oh, excuse uh, me. Telly Savalas, I was actually kind of scared of as a kid, because I also... Dirty Dozen was also one... Uh, like, like Kelly's Heroes and Dirty man. Dozens. Yeah, they're like... You know, he's... that Those two movies were playing, like, kind of almost simultaneously. Like, you couldn't have one without the other. And they also think they came into the same DVD pack or something. But, like, Telly Savalas, like, plays a rapist in that, and I watched it at, like, a very oh young age where I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess, like, similarly in that, that vein of of movie, I uh, I have Bridge on the River Kwai coming up this, this weekend for Best Picture Winter Series that I'm doing, that I'm watching one every Sunday, and it's, uh, I'm excited for that one. Uh, it looks... It looks very long and very intense, kind of like the ones that I've been watching recently. Um, what was the like last one you just watched? Much. The the last one was Ben Hur. Uh, which was, oh God! What was the one great. before that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Sorry, I'm putting no because because I skipped I skipped a few. Um, oh God! It was um, oh, oh my God! Holy shit! Uh, I bet it was. I'm just. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Yeah, you're probably right. Like it's probably like a long, like a stretch of just long movies. Yeah, and this one was also. Long. Oh my god, what was the last one? Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, and well, I I completed the '60s, and I'm 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 in the '50s, so I'm kind of like halfway through now. Time traveling, cool. man. Yeah, going back in 
<laughs> right. <laughs> um, and and I, the uh, reason I couldn't I couldn't remember. Um, I'm not doing the ones that I've already seen. And right, right. The, so the first three, the first three of the '60s, were the apartment, Lawrence of Arabia, and uh, West Side Story, and I've already seen those, so I just figured. Um, yeah, those are. I mean, besides the apartment, those. I mean, how long is West Side Story? Like two thirty. Yeah, it's it's pretty long. Tom Jones was the one before Ben Hur that I saw, which is Tom Jones. Like, I think not that's great. the earliest yeah. one I haven't seen. It's 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 fine. You know, it, it's kind of like, what if we like had himbos back then, and it's like womanizer <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I, it's weird. You have to like really get the movie senses of humor to uh, fully be enraptured by it. What a bad title. Tom Jones. Albert oh, Finney's that guy. I love Tom Jones. Really, yeah, Albert Finney's really good in it, though. No I mean, he's always good. To the, uh, to the stinger. Right, 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 mm -hmm. right. Um, he's not playing Tom the Jones. singer, is he? If he's playing the singer, I will absolutely watch this tomorrow. I, I know he's not. <laughs> I know it's based on a book, but... Uh, yeah. Was the book also called called Tom Jones? Man, like, I, they couldn't... I believe it was. Um, That's so funny. <laughs> Um, Max, were you going to say something before? Um, I don't recall what it was. Yeah. Um, Clay, I forgot to ask you. What have you been watching? Anything good recently? Before... Um. So I had my. I, I've been trying to. I'm getting back into watching more stuff. I'm trying to focus on like 2020 releases. Um. Or sorry, 2020. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I think time. I, I. You know, time is just not something exists in my brain anymore. Apparently. Some good uh, movies last year, though. Yeah, there was. Uh, no, yeah. 2021 releases, so I've been able to, like, watch, like, a movie a day kind of thing, which is, like, which is good because I was taking a huge break because work was getting a little more intense. I just didn't have the energy for movie watching, but, like, I saw One Shot, um, the Scott Adkins movie that's a, that's a all, you know, one, one take. Um, that's decent. That's pretty good. Uh, I mean, Ryan, Ryan Phillippe should not, like, be in that movie he's just anytime he shows up it's just like jesus christ ryan phillips he like doesn't have any screen presence i've never really like loved he's him in anything bad in this too it's like scott adkins yeah. is very charismatic physically intense and like just overall gravitating force then ryan phillips he pops up as kind of like his equal and you're just like this is this is bad like stop get like i mean he has his character's horribly written but it's also just kind of like he's a bad actor so it's like this he's... is I, and they just and it was all stunt casting they are like this is the this is the biggest name we can get with this amount of money, so I guess we'll get Ryan Phillippe. He's really at his best when uh, you know the movie is having a joke at his expense. Uh, like, right. uh, I'm thinking of Cruel Intentions or, or uh, Gosford Park or something like that. Right. In this movie, it's like taking him very seriously, and like, oh, he has like you know pathos and stuff. It's like Jesus Christ, it's Ryan Phillippe. Stop. You don't need. This is too comp. This is too much. Just, just let's move on. Um, but that's pretty good. Very fun. Uh, worth the, like, I don't know how much it's going for on iTunes or whatever, but like four or five bucks, but it's like, you know, it's a good, it's a good direct-to-video action movie, which is, you know, and Atkins is easily still like the best action star the West has to offer, so. Hey, it's it, no Wrath of Man. Wrath of Man. Hey, I mean, hey. I mean, Wrath of Man. That's so, oh hey. God. Man. I'm going to start, I'm going to start calling you C. You should. Oh man, that would be dope. <laughs> Call me C now. That would be great. Uh, I watched Pig. 
like the day after. Um, that was good. Por- I didn't know it was a Portland movie, so I was like, oh, okay, this is dope. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much has like Portland vibes. Cage is, of course, excellent. Is Cage making your five? He's making a lot of people's fives. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, it, it's that movie doesn't work without him. Um, but that's not, I don't know, like, people always say that. It's like, of course, because he's the movie. That's, like, like the whole point. But still. Uh, Alex mm-hmm. Wolf is quite good in it. Um, yes. One of my favorite current actors. He, yeah, he's, yeah. I'm glad he's, like, not going I'm glad down, he's good. Like, I'm glad he's good right. at acting. You know what I mean? Well, like, that, I, I've known, Al, I've known, I've known the Wolf Brothers my whole life. And it's, 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 like, I mean, not personally, but, like, the Naked Brothers right. band I knew, like, from Nickelodeon. It's, like, just pretty cool to see them, like, grow up. The other one's Nate? Yes. Nat. Yeah. Nate yeah, without sucks. the E. Right. Yeah, he's bad. Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay, that's 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 aggressive. He's fine. I don't know. Um, but I'm glad, like, Alex is still continuing to choose, like, good projects. Like, Old mm-hmm. was, like, you know, this year, and also, like, Pig. It's, like, you know, <laughs> three-letter three letter movies, uh, but... Um, I'm glad he's like not going. You know, he was. Was he? Is he the one that was in the Jumanji movies? That was Nate. That was Nate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nat? Oh, it, it, Nat. It's Nate without the E, so it could be Nat. Yeah. It's probably Nat. I don't know why I keep saying it's, Nate. No, yeah. it's Nat. I, I don't it's know. like Natalie. Um, but, but, but. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Alex. Alex is good. He, I like him. Very very handsome boy. Kind of <laughs> plays a shit heel. I like it. Uh, Writers of Justice, the mm-hmm. Mads Mikkelsen Dutch movie, very good. I don't know yes. if that's like I really really liked it. I was super into it. I think you know it, it's you know it's very much a black comedy. It's like it's honestly like that's the best way to describe it is a black comedy. It doesn't. I don't no don't know if it goes anything above that, but I, I do like it. it's like I like the vibes and I think it's pretty well made. Uh, I think Mads is good. I think it's quite enjoyable and. There's good chemistry. Um, I liked it, and I, I love it. With like, the, I, I'm a sucker when it deal when, like, chance and consequences, and like when it like a film is very much about events relating to one another and the domino effect and stuff. I'm kind of a sucker for that kind of exploration because it's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Um, Watch the French Dispatch on my birthday. Was very pleased. Uh, my mom, who's like a Francophile, that's what you call people who are obsessed with Frank, uh, French culture, right? Francophile? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, she, you know, she, she speaks pretty good French. She, you know, uh, is, lived there at once upon a time, is just very knowledgeable about it. She had, she made the movie for me. I, I liked it quite a bit, but I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if I watch it and I'm like, oh, this is still good, but like, she, but her having such a fun time and just like, really being invested and laughing a lot kind of i don't know it was it was pretty contagious she's a good person to watch movies with but especially that one and like it ends and she's like can we watch it again and i'm like i mean i mean sure i guess like maybe where does it place for wes anderson for you oh it's like mid-tier i mean it's it didn't like shelf west it didn't blow me away i mean anthology is always a tricky thing it's like I literally like the through line. I think that I mean that that can make break, uh, make or break anthology films for sure. Like what's con- the, the connecting thread? I like it. I like I like it in French Dispatch for sure. I think it's pretty uh, it's pretty investing and doesn't feel too forced. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I would have to kind of watch it again 
just to really see yeah. my thoughts. But I wasn't like sh- like blown, blown, blown away. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is excellent in it. I'm a big yeah. Jeffrey one of the standout performances. The Oscar he's, campaign starts now. Um, he's definitely my, my sh- spy for like supporting or whatever. I think he's oh really definitely. In my showing, uh, the theater was packed. Just being surrounded by all that that laughter and engagement, like no phones were out or anything, no That's babies awesome. were crying, like in my old showing. <laughs> uh, it's it's like just I think that really blossomed the movie for me, and you know I I, I can't I can't feel to replicate that that experience. Just being like this is a an A. But because we're all like laughing at this together, it's brought to an A plus for me. Right, right. Yeah, uh, Max, what have you been watching recently? Anything good? Uh, not as much lately. I have caught up uh, recently with uh, the Power of the Dog. Have either of you seen that yet? Uh, I'm, I'm play- I, I have tickets uh, next week. Excellent. Aren't you a lucky yeah, dog? I, it, that's really terrific. It's. Uh, it's fun because uh, this is Jake Champion's first movie since my uh, freshman year of college. So yeah. uh, it's it's been it's been quite a while, and um, you know, this is the most I've ever liked. Uh, Did you see Bright Star in theaters? Uh, not in theaters. I don't think it came out uh, near where I went to college. So uh, oh, okay, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it on DVD like shortly after it hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that. Uh, I, I thought Power of the Dog is really excellent. It, it's the best use of Cumberbatch in yeah. more than a decade. Like, since Tinker yeah. Taylor's Soldier Spy, and it's probably the most I've ever liked him overall, just because it does kind of play with his... Um, I don't know. Uh, he's, a, he's a showy actor. He's a... Uh, you know, I, I always find him... I, I often find him artificial and uh, really you know, have found his I don't know his twitchiness particularly irritating in in right. some of his bigger uh, Oscar Oscar bait roles I, I can't stand him in the imitation game I was just gonna say that's Alan Turing you're talking about there yeah that's, that's not bad. Oh, yeah, that's just a terrible bad. one <laughs> that that moment where he that was 2014 right it was right. yes yeah okay so that's the same year that uh, the movie we're talking about today, The Immigrant, <laughs> yeah. uh, is released stateside, uh, released in, in quotes. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I remember someone being, I can't remember who, but someone saying something about the last scene in The Immigrant really not working for them and them just be, feeling that an actor was going for something and not getting there. And I remember watching uh, the imitation game and thinking, no, that's that's what this is with the final scene with Turing and, and Nike where he breaks down. I just, just seeing an actor uh, prostrate himself to no real end uh, for just this awful Oscar quip. Yeah, they clearly right. wanted to make choices, but they weren't sure of what choice to make. It's like just pretty nothing astounding. Much. It yeah. just sands off all of Turing's edges. Just awful movie. I, yeah. I, yeah. God. That was I think the one to Oh yeah, sorry. What was that? It was just like one of the big runaway like Oscar movies that year and I remember yeah. just losing my mind over Did it win anything? I think uh, it, I... yes, it won screenplay. Screenplay. Yeah. That's over right. uh Inherent Vice was up that year. I mean that wasn't gonna win, yeah. but uh <sighs> I believe Boyhood. I could be wrong. 
That was um, a that was a up for original uh, imitation game was adapted. adapted right, right, right. Boyhood right. lost because uh, Aaron Boyhood and Vice Boyhood adapted. Lost the Birdman. Yep. Uh, yep. Which is its own. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, we've done that. Um, but no, I think the ones who punched that Oscar race with uh, imitation game and then the theory of everything. Which is its own, like, oh god, what was that we... the same year? That was the, that same, was the year. same year, yeah. yeah. God, put a gun in my mouth. <laughs> I remember I thinking the theory of everything, while bad, was relatively tolerable, uh, but uh, right. upon further reflection, no, they're they're both really terrible. But those is like two of them in the same as an Oscar like... win, it's like, oh god, for best actor, oh gosh, yeah. it's like Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, just yeah. like one of them is. I mean, I, one of them is not okay, but fine, whatever. One, who cares? But like two, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think most of the best actor winners of the last decade are terrible. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's, um, you know, it, and the best by default is Casey Affleck. What the heck? Right. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like him and and the second Day Lewis, or no, sorry, the third rather Day Lewis win. Yeah. Yeah. And the second Hopkins win, and that's that's about it. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> you know, in each of those, uh, there's there's heavy caveats about they won before, and maybe someone else could have grabbed it. And, right. Uh, or or in the case of Affleck, just uh, yeah, just ugh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Really awkward. Um. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. That's a good transition. Actually, let's. Um. Let's go over to the immigrant. When how. How was your experience with uh, with this one, and and also like what's what's your first time seeing the immigrant like, and your relationship with James Gray? Because since I try to bring that up when we do an auteur for the first time. So, oh, is this your first time doing Gray? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. I uh, I know I had seen a few of Gray's other films. I uh, I had seen The Yards and We Own the Night and enjoyed both, and I had really loved. Uh, Two lovers, um, and this is also coming out, um, you know, in the aftermath of the release of The Master and uh, Phoenix's big, big comeback, and you know, her, uh, gets, her, yeah, yeah, her gets released stateside before uh, this, since it, it this plays it can, but it gets held back by one uh, Harvey Weinstein. Mm. But I remember, um, and I the dilemma in... he gave James Gray is uh, pretty infamous at this point. Of just yeah. uh, cutting of cutting out the the ending, shrinking the the movie's runtime, or I shelve it and keep it as is. This, I'm, I believe I have that right. Something like that. Yeah, it's pretty malicious. Simple. Yeah, it's something more. Gray had and he had done the same thing with the yards, uh, like where he he you know fuck, fucked with the ending, but um, you know this one I think Gray had final cut, so it got uh, you know delayed and. Anyway, it was in New York, and I got to go to a screening um, for it. And uh, I, I was interning um, at IndieWire at the time, and uh, I, I remember just sitting down, having not really any expectations for it, except uh, you know, based on my enjoyment of Gray and, and uh, Phoenix's previous work together, and just being from the opening shot uh, completely entranced by it, and and um, being moved to tears over and over and over again, you know, from a very early part in the film to, you know, the, the, that miraculous final shot. Um, uh, I, I just remember being 
deeply affected by it knowing that I had seen my favorite film of that year uh, right when I saw it. Mm. And that's a pretty special feeling when you're like, oh my god, I I really found something special. And, and like the fact that you went in with no expectations is pretty cool. Yeah, I think in, in retrospect, I might be more of an inherent vice person now for that year, but um, in terms of stateside releases, but yeah, The Immigrant mm. is... Uh, I, I don't know. It, it had a pretty immediate emotional impact on me. Yeah. And it's, and this is also a weird one where it's like, what year did this come out since this Cannes premiere is, uh, is, uh, 2013, but it's like limited release that Weinstein gave it was the year following. Yeah. Um, I, I remember like coming from the screening and immediately just telling people they had to see it and then realizing that it wasn't going to get any sort of, uh, release. Um, mm -hmm. and just most people not knowing what it was, uh, that year. Um, like it was, it was the movie I kept telling people to see and they had never heard of it. Um, exactly. And even the way that Weinstein chose to market it was so strange. Like there's that one of, uh, Phoenix Renner and Cotillard, their faces are like in a triangle shape and you have this gold leather and font surrounding them. And it's like, what? What is this trying to sell you as? It's just such it's a. Not really telling it's, us anything about exactly, it. yeah. Um, I, I like the the poster on Letterboxd where it's just like the shot of uh, Eva, and, and it's just like her face, kind of like curious and wandering. But um, yeah, as for myself, I knew Ad Astra was coming in 2019. Um, there was a lot of hype around it as a Brad Pitt project, but also as gray and as a gray project and gray, I had always heard of, like I had known the posters, uh, for we own the night and, uh, lost city of Z and always heard good things about his movies, but just never got around to them until 2019. And what I ended up doing, um, I kind of worked backwards, right? So like before Ad Astra, I, I went lost city of Z, uh, immigrant, um, two lovers. And then like, up to we on the night and just recently caught up with the arts. Um, I was, I, I'm a big, I'm, he's just got the goods, you know? <laughs> um, he kind of feels like he, he makes movies that came out in the seventies, but are now just like being released uh, in the 21st century. Um, which is sort of like what he's stigmatized as like for better or for worse. The reputation I always heard was that he makes dad movies. Right. Um, hmm. Which like granted, like however you take that, but but no, like I'd always I'd always thought of James Gray as like picking up the torch that like Coppola left him, you know, or something. But yeah. What was was this your first I, time seeing the immigrant? Oh right, no, yeah, <laughs> I forgot to. No, I, I saw the immigrant when I was catching up for Ad Astra, um, and I was and I was like, yeah, similar to Max, like really really impressed. Um, like I thought I. I'd hardly seen Phoenix, especially this era, uh, this restraint and, uh, reserved, which was, which was like really welcomed. And I think this might be my favorite use of Marion Cotillard. Um, yeah, same. And, and I, I think this honestly might be like career or one of career best roles for everybody involved for L3. Um, and I just, yeah, I remember thinking like this feels like something um that 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 like you almost feel as though it was told um from a grandparent and like onto her 
grandchild, you know, like she's telling this story about like being an immigrant and like it has this like hazy memory about it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really impressed when I first saw it a few years ago. Well, Gray, uh, so- like he, he did take uh, a lot from, from his, uh, I think it was his grandparents and his parents' stories. Like- yeah, because he's like Polish and uh, on, yeah. on his mom's side or something. Oh, yeah. so wait, James Gray is somewhat Polish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was talking about it in a uh, uh, interview for New York Film Festival. That he's like half Russian, half Polish, and uh, and, and Jewish, which is interesting that he made Eva like Catholic and Polish, as opposed to himself. Right, and it's World War One instead of World War Two. Yeah. Um. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I was surprised. I didn't know that. So this was my first time seeing it. Um, my experience with James Gray is I saw Lost City of Z, uh, 17 in 2017. Um, I saw it in the theater. It was kind of blown away. It's, you know, that, that was at the time when I was just getting into more of those movies that are like more quiet and not like, not like superhero movies or Oscar, or Oscar prestige or like certified classics, you know, like films that aren't, they're kind of You weren't being told to watch it. Right. Right, exactly. I was like, oh, some yeah, that's the perfect way to put it. It wasn't like, you must see The Godfather. You must see this new blockbuster. You must see the Oscar movie of the season. It's like, this is a good movie. Uh, I've, I, you know, like, I've, someone reviews, like, this is a good movie. It looks interesting. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll go see it. It's blown away by that. Ad Astra is my You've got to see Rob Pattinson uh, say pots and pans. Right. The, I, I always forget he's in that and he's so good in it because it's <laughs> Percy like, Fawcett, that was, right? That's his name? Or is that uh something like that. Like, great yeah. beard. I don't think he yeah. hasn't really had a like a real beard like that since. Um, I don't even think before. Yeah. Some... Well I mean uh, good time, but Child it's not like but that's I think he has one. Oh Child... yeah, yeah, he does. Right. Um yeah. but like uh Yeah, no, but like so I was blown away by that, but I did that was still at the time where I I don't know, I did I didn't really feel like following up on James Gray's filmography. I don't really know why. I still, I don't think I was too familiar with his work even then. Like I didn't, like I didn't come away being like James Gray. I was like, oh, that was a good movie. Charlie Hunnam and Robert Pattinson was good. You know, I still wasn't super, I, 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 I he wasn't one of those mainstay auteurs. Like he wasn't like. Yeah, he's not really talked about. Right. That yeah. was the thing. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I must not see it. You know, that, uh, you know, like, the YouTube critics don't talk about him, so they're like, oh, I can't, I shouldn't watch it, like, I shouldn't watch any of his movies then, or whatever, which was stupid, of course, but I was still, like, pretty, like, dumb at the time, and now it's, like... Now you're less when I saw Right, right. You were gonna say it's something, inter- Max? Yeah, it's interesting you say that he's not talked about that much. I guess it really depends on what, what circles, uh... Right. You're, yeah, yeah, you're traveling. Also, um... It really depends because I know that um, around when We Own the Night came out, I remember reading reviews for it. I was about, uh, I think that came out. This October. was 2007. Yeah, that came out October of 07, so I would have been just 17. And I remember reading reviews for it and um, you know, at least a couple uh, suggesting that uh, you know, over in France, uh, Gray was considered like a true auteur, like one wow. of the great directors of his generation um hmm. based on the yards and uh, little odessa and now uh we on the like he was con- he was considered um you know one of the last true like classicists uh, like you're you're talking about francis ford coppola and 
you know, there's also you know influences from from like old uh, you know, Italian masters like Rossellini and, and Visconti. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, you know for this one alone, he I know he cited old uh, you know the women's pictures of the 30s and 40s with like uh, you know like, Bar- like I'm thinking of something like uh, Stella Dallas with Barbara Stanwyck or, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Um, you know, he's just he's pulling from so many different traditions of, of classic. Sorry, I, I'm I'm rambling a bit, but um, I just recall him having a reputation in France and having a much uh, lesser reputation here. But it's just starting to build a little bit with that one and uh, two lovers, and then with the immigrant. With like, if if people who um, like knew where to look, saw them that then you know his reputation would just gradually grow. And I saw like at least a few truly glowing reviews of of the immigrant in particular when it came out and in uh, like places like the AV Club and and uh, Slant and um, you know, I think the Dissolve was still around at that point. Yeah, uh, that was twenty fourteen. So um, just I, I remember. Um, it, it's just, I, I guess it really depends on what your frame of reference is. Right. Because, uh, you're talking about how, like, you're 17 and, like, these YouTube critics are probably your intro for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of early stuff. Right, exactly. And so that's what yeah. I was like. Yeah, exactly. I was like, the the big, you know, temple releases or the Oscar bait stuff and then the, like, certified 70s classics uh, or like you know the best picture winners, and that's that was like where I was. I wasn't getting into like more. I wasn't getting into more genre stuff like horror, sci-fi, like like real like you know the fly the thing, um, Ian Cronenberg or anything from the east, um, like Hong Kong movies or whatever. Like like maybe it's like some that would like kind of like that would like you know Hard Boiled was one I I heard about a lot, and so like John Woo, and then I'm like all right, cool. I'll watch like two of those and then nothing else, um, and then like I'll move move on to. Uh, but yeah, the Lost City of Z was definitely like that was the year when I was starting to be like, why not? Why not just watch this? You know, who's mm. who's stopping me from doing this? Like, you know, this is getting this is getting good reviews. It looks interesting. I'll watch it. Uh, and but what was an Amazon movie, right? Like it was, but yeah. it was still also yeah. in theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I saw and it in theaters. It's so interesting the fact that. It, He's not like populist, like no one's like buckle down. I, I think like after Ad Astra, I think that might change. Um, at, at least I I hope it does. Um, hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in, in, in but, what sense do you mean? Oh, just just that he's not he's not bringing crowds. Um, oh yeah, like you like you would expect for for an auteur to still do. Rather, he's just word of mouth, and and that's just. But he's not alienating. Like he's not like inaccessible he's not like cough or i mean coffin's a weird one but he's not like terrence malick or whatever where you're just like i don't you know i don't know it's gonna it's 50 50 i don't know if i can recommend this movie but also the weird now. the weird example about malick is like we've I, I, we must have mentioned this on tree of life but it's like we forget how popular how like bankable it was you know for, for right that of course but yeah, yeah but like nowadays yeah, yeah. but or since like, then right not not really yeah no. yeah but like he isn't like Lars von Trier is a better one, like where it's just like you're not going to recommend Lars von Trier to your, you know, your friend who doesn't watch many movies or whatever. Not you. Yeah, I'm, I mean that's that's an interesting observation because I've known you know some at least some critics do react to Gray as if he's too stuffy, too stuck in the past. But I've right. I've recommended, I've recommended his films to people who are not necessarily movie people, and and they've broadly liked them like i i saw ad astra with uh 
my younger sister, who's not necessarily a giant movie person, she's more of a like, Broadway and TV person, she really went for it. I recommended The Immigrant uh, when it was on Netflix to my aunt and uncle, who are not movie people at all, uh, and they like they saw it and loved it and, and came back raving to me about it and like, why didn't we know about this? And I said, right. uh, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> but i know like 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 for a fact i know for a fact my mom would be like oh yeah it's like one of the best movies i've ever seen i know she would love this it's like it's up her alley because it's not you know i mean maybe not to, for maybe it's i wouldn't recommend this to like my kid cousin or whatever like i i don't know like it, it, it it's a very mature film but if you've like grew up on like 80, it's like, a movie like for 70s. grown-ups, which is something we right. just don't get it, it, very that's, often. I guess that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm yeah. the long. That's me just like rambling on. But basically, you're right. It is yeah. a movie for grown-ups, and but it's not like there isn't like this like ambiguous ending. You know, like stuff where you know, like you know, like click. You know, like oh, what does the ending of the of the immigrant mean or whatever? Like, you know, friend of the pod, Luke Larson. He's starting this segment. Um, like, what movie has uh, what you missed in X movie? So, um, which is something like I bet the immigrant has has something along those lines, um, but it's interesting about the ending. Like it's it's not ambiguous, but it's certainly bleak, and you can and and, and Weinstein wanting to change it uh, would would certainly soften something that's so powerful. Right, but it's a quiet drama, and yeah. I still and yeah. I think I mean even though we're not getting as many, especially not in theaters anymore, but it's still, I don't think, like, I feel like I could recommend this to, like, a decent amount of people who I know who can at least, like, have a, an attention span and, like, grown-up movies. Like, I don't, there isn't this, like, where like worrisome of, like, oh, well, you know, is it too high, like, is it too, like, experimental or whatever? Like, it's, no, it's, like, it's a quiet drama that we used to get a lot of, and now, but, it, it, so it is interesting, though, that he is, He's still kind of removed from the like from being like a household name, but he's not as like alienating as some other filmmakers. So it's mm -hmm. yeah. I think he's and maybe that's the issue. He's like he's kind of caught in in that in between. Like he doesn't make headlines. Well, there yeah, isn't absolutely. really a a market that um, you know is you know, being sustained anymore for for right. these kinds of movies. Like these just kind of mid budget, uh, you know, director driven maybe, uh, but relatively um, accessible films that are, are pitched to like you know, people who don't want to just see like the, the, you know, the usual superhero movie or, or some middle of the road Oscar movie. It's just that this is, there's just so little interest in, in sustaining these anymore. And I'm, I'm increasingly amazed that uh, a lot of these directors are able to get funding anymore because the gray, I don't think he's had a financial success in his group. Like, I think We Own the Night maybe did okay. That's about it. And um, it, it just, it, it increasingly feels like a, a disappearing, uh, you know, a disappearing world. And uh, you know, I, I know he's got another thing um, that he's working on that, what was it called? Army yeah, Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong are in it. Um, I forgot the title. Uh, I think De Niro's in it. Time. Yeah, Armageddon time. Yeah, yeah. He had Kate Blanchett and uh, mm -hmm. Robert De Niro. I think signed on as well. But that was, mm -hmm. I think that was announced uh, last year. Uh, you know, as the pandemic's yeah. starting up, so I have no idea what its status is at the moment. But you know, my in production, my... it says on IMDb. But who the fuck knows? Yeah, right. That could be like 
in they could in production could could have been assigned to the movie forever forever ago. But yeah, at, at any rate, I just always fear like is is you know X director Y director going to be able to get funding anymore? And and Gray is uh, Gray is absolutely one of those. Just because um, I don't know exactly what it would be, uh, you know, about his next one or the one after that that would finally pull people in the way that I mean, you were just talking about the the French Dispatch, which is not my favorite Anderson movie necessarily, but I, I he is able to maintain some sort of a consistent audience. Most of his movies are, are relatively like do relatively okay. I think maybe Isle of Dogs didn't, but. Um, or maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Grand Budapest well, did Gray, very, very Gray well. Had just he hasn't been able to, um, you know, establish as much of a a uh, you know, solid, um, you know, fan base beyond the people who know to look look for his films. Like if you don't know to look for them, they're you're just not going to know that any of his work exists. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting like position to be in as a very respected and uh, director. Just. Because he just kind of makes movies for himself uh, sometimes, and you know, or at least something that he wants to wants to see. Uh, yeah, like he's never crazy adaptations. It's yeah. never just like he's like def- he doesn't have like a demographic he's like focusing in on. It doesn't feel that way at all. There's no focus group. It's all just like, yeah, I want to do this. This is the movie I want to make. Well, his uh, I mean, Ad Astra. Really I, good, there's but... been yeah, there's been talks that Ad Astra was like, oh, some of it like Fox was like more gun battles or whatever, so maybe, like, I I don't know if that I feel like some of that stuff's been confirmed but I, I kind of, I forget, there's the whole I know he said that he took some some notes on the film but I, I recall him saying that he was still um, you know, happy with, with what he was able to put in theaters, so Right, um, and he should be, I, I, maybe I fucking rocks. I, I don't know, I can't <laughs> remember the details Yeah, same, yeah it's something like that, but like at Astro, I feel like his basically pit just being like let's fucking make this um and he's like use me use me as as you will yeah but he also has like you know he's now like a serious producer now like he fucking Mm -hmm. gets things made so it is that's that's so that's definitely like i I don't think he's gonna ever you know this is a very sad thing to say but i don't know i don't i don't think he's ever gonna get ad astro money ever again i don't i don't see that unless like unless it's a pit thing where a movie star attaches himself a movie star slash producer like a dicaprio or something maybe but like like i don't know like i don't even think joaquin could get him that kind of money again Mm. like oh i'm looking at armageddon time i guess De Niro and Blanchett and a lot of people just ended up dropping out. Yeah, I didn't see them on the IMDb. I guess that might, that's probably a COVID thing, I'm guessing. That's that's my guess. Um, but yeah, it looks like Hathaway and Anthony Hopkins are um, are signed on now. And yeah, you mentioned Jeremy Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. Oh my it God. started filming. It started filming last month. So, all right, we got another one coming. Hell yeah. I didn't even know this, but James Gray, the last thing he directed was a short with Leo DiCaprio. I didn't even... That's funny that I hmm. mentioned him. What is that? Um, like, a, I mean, it's like, it looks like a commercial or something. I don't know. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't... Like, I doubt... What? I think Ad Astra costs, like, what? At least, like, way more than, like, 80 or something. Like, something mm-hmm. kind of pretty big. So, it's like, I, I don't... 
So I, I do think he'll be able to still make movies, but he's not. But he's gonna make you know Lost City of Z kind of movies like that, like yeah. mid budget, like low thirties or whatever. I was just gonna say the same. I, I don't think he'll he'll like have a step above Lost City of Z or Ad Astra. It'll definitely be something more middle middle budgeted, like The Immigrant or Two Lovers. Right. We shall see. I I really don't make any bets on anything. Mm-hmm. yeah nowadays it's so hard like the thing is like a streaming <laughs> yeah. service will just like oh we want to add you to our catalog that's i mean that's what you know sometimes when i think oh how are these movies still getting made it's like i think sometimes streaming services just want to be like oh we have that movie like, even if it doesn't do well like oh we have it it's part of our brand now we can say like oh we're you know i mean that was amazon's whole thing with at, like at, early on they're like okay we'll fund you know manchester we'll fund um chirac uh, Right, exactly. Just like because we want to, we, we want to be different from Netflix. We want to catalog these actual filmmakers who make actual movies instead of just this, you know, like blase. Just like wait, wait what's Patterson. on Netflix again? I never saw that movie. Like you know, right. who directed yeah. that? Um, but now I, I don't know. I don't know what any streaming services is planned now. Maybe app. I feel like Apple might be the new new player that's just going to be like all right you know like especially with scorsese we're just like yeah what where are the film you know they have so much money to burn it's like two scorsese oh, yeah. like marty marty's like in double dipping with apple yeah, right. yeah. Is it, is it like another director also doing oh. the the dead right, and exactly. uh uh killer of the flower moon yeah isn't that's, another big director uh, doing something with them i don't know i can't sorry. keep track of the news anymore don't worry about it um yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty wild this i, I yeah, something like game changing like that. I'm sure uh, will come to be. But also, like, uh, who knows if it'll actually come to fruition? But I will say, um, Joaquin and James Gray are like a match made in heaven for me. I, I've I've really come to dig their collaborations. Um, and, and and sort of like James Gray as is a director. I I don't I hardly again like what Max said. Like it depends on like what circle you're involved in. But I had hardly ever heard of the great director-actor pairing being Joaquin and, and Gray. Right. Um, it's not De Niro yeah. and Scorsese. It's like yeah. one of those ones you're like, oh, yeah, they're actually really great together. Mm. should be thought of that way. Uh, no, they should, yeah. You, I mean, you, you particularly you see both of them growing so much as actor as an actor and as a director uh, with, with each film. By the time it gets to Two Lovers, they've just, uh, you know, Phoenix is... is uh, have, have you two seen Two Lovers? Yeah. It's not. just so sensitively wrought, uh, you know. Just this this character who's just this. That's my favorite James Gray open... movie. What? I think that's my favorite James Gray movie. It, it's between that and The Immigrant for me, and yeah. and with two, it, two Lovers has my favorite Phoenix performance in a in a Gray film, I think, because he's just this walking open wound, and it's just this yeah. person who's barely able to hold themselves together, who you know still manages you know either through dumb luck or or through just uh at least some sense of of kindness and willingness to be there uh for people just um i don't know even as he's just completely not together and uh idealizing one person um i don't know it it just sorry i'm i'm rambling a bit again Um, no you're not yeah that's cool no it i i just when when I saw this, it was just so great seeing him uh, with the immigrant, like as this character who's not that charismatic. 
Like he's yeah, you know, he's just kind of a, he's putting a on a performance. Leader. Like, but and yeah, he's required okay. to like be be in front of crowds all the time. But he's he's not, um, you know, he he is not comfortable at any point. Yeah. He just seems <laughs> consistently uncomfortable in his own skin. Um, you know, whether he's on the stage or whether he's you know trying to court, uh, you know, Ava. Um, He's awkward. He's 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 a worm. He's a yeah. He's a bit worm-like. Yeah, yeah. And and that also comes through in like the way he expresses his love to Ava, where it's just it's he can't be emotional, but he's not. Hey, it's not Leo and uh, two lovers, right? But it's more like he's he's expressing it through greed and profit, where it's like I I need this to be uh, transactional in order for you to fall in love with me, like I have you. Uh, and, and when he says it, you're like, have you, though? Because <laughs> um, it's almost like there's anti-chemistry sometimes between him and Cotillard. Or right. Eva, I mean, but... Yeah. It, um, it's, you know, someone who, uh, you know, has rationalized his behavior. Um, like, he knows that what he's doing is, is uh, bad and hates himself for it, but he's mm-hmm. doing what he thinks he needs. He, he's doing, essentially, like, all the stuff he's needed to do to survive. Um, you know, when he talks about like living in the street and dancing, like dancing for money with tin on his uh, on his shoes, like this is someone who's you know fought his way out from the bottom and is really not that far from it. Um, you know, and uh, because of that, he's he's found uh, he's found a way to scrape together a living, but it involves the exploitation of of you know. A lot of uh, a lot of people, including Cotillard, and, and um, you know, there's this um, kind of forced sense of, of family uh, that you know. I, I feel like when you're watching it, it becomes clear that that you know the different women who are with uh, Bruno like feel about it in different ways. Um, you know, I, I know there's that confrontation between Cotillard and. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the other actress's name, Dagmara. Um, oh, uh, it begins with a D. It's it's uh, something. Dagmara. Oh yeah, uh, the character's name is Belva, and that seems a little easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I I'm, I just recall like you know, there are the, there are characters who have accepted that you know this is what they're doing to get by, just to in order to be able to live, to be able to feed themselves, to be able to have shelter and. Uh, you know, you've got Cotillard, who's got this this uh, you know, sense of, of faith that's both keeping her going, but also like for, you know, forcing her to judge herself, and and um, you know, is being forced into this this situation. Like she doesn't really have the ability to say no, as we see, because she tries and you know, is is you know, thwarted at every turn. Like uh, you know, turned either at danger of being. Uh, put into the street or uh, being deported or, you know, both. She finds, she goes to her, her uh, family's home and she's thrown out. Uh, and it's only through like this miraculous, uh, you know, uh, you know, sorry, not miraculous, just the, it's the reappearance of her exploiter um, that, that allows her to stay in the country. It's just like this terrible situation. And like his feelings are, completely sincere and it's never uh we're never allowed to forget that it doesn't really matter that his feelings are sincere because he's 
put her into this situation, and, and he's just kind of, uh, you know, I, I find the movies, these, you know, it's not necessarily judgmental of, of these characters who are, um, who, have, who are doing sex work. It, it's more that, um, you know, like the particular circumstances, I think, or maybe, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I, I'm curious how you two read it. Yeah, it's almost like the the battle that Eva has with with her position is like the ability to resist rather than everyone else is like just accepting it. Um, that's sort of like the the struggle that she faces. It's like how much can she resist until she has to accept? Because um, then it becomes less about finding her sister. I found because um, that's like the catalyst almost. Like that's that's a little bit of what she's always trying to get back to and what she eventually gets back to it. But she, she has like such a moral, um, conflict that it, it's like, what is, is the goal just yourself or is it, um, trying to get back to like the person you were, especially when you get to Ellis Island and she's identified as a person with low morals. Um, and so you just kind of like get a sense of who this person is already. Um, and, it's, and even like the, with the relationship with Bruno, it, it's almost like he loves the the idea of her more than like uh, Eva the person she is. Right. He says like like when she's you know about to um, with the son of the like garment person or whatever, um, he says to her that she's pure. And I think that's like yeah. his the idea of like this this pure person who's been like, formed by tragedy and trauma, like, like, he sees, like, he, he, this kind of crazy, not crazy story, but this, you know, very tragic, almost, like, this tragic story, and this, like, kind of really, gnar- to, for lack of a better word, gnarly story of, like, her witnessing the beheading of her parents is, like, that's, that's insane. That's, like, a crazy thing to happen in someone's life, uh, it, which is, I, I know that sounds like the obvious, but for, it, how do I say this? It's so extreme. It's not like she just—it's not like she just saw her parents get murdered. It's that they beheaded right and made made them watch. It's so, and that's the moment he like tries to comfort her. I think it's like she, he finds that her her story and her resilience is so. I don't know if he sees himself in her, but more of that he wants to. Like she's been she's been able to maintain this quote unquote purity at that point through all of that and so he wants to kind of like so he's like he he wants that purity back because what he's had to do to survive kind of just you know it, it, like he doesn't even care about his own cousin anymore he doesn't care about family it's all himself but like she is so determined to focus on her sister that it, it like it, they, it's just two people who have like not necessarily gone through the same thing but have to, their their will to survive has kind of gone into different paths and it's only yeah. with this little time in their lives that they cross paths and like their survival needs are like more similar than they would uh, in, a, in their time before meeting each other. Yeah, it, it's interesting mm-hmm. that you mention, um, you know, that particular rate relationship uh, between um, uh, you know, Bruno and Ayla, uh Clay because you know, it, it's making me think a little bit about. I, I'm sorry, I know you haven't seen Two Lovers, so I'll, I'll stay vague. But uh, the relationship between Phoenix and and um, Gwyneth Paltrow's character in that, uh, where uh, I mentioned that he idealizes her, it, it's a little bit of a 
Um, well, she she's dealing with among other things depression and and also uh, she's uh, having an affair with a married man and um, there's a degree to which that you know you wonder how much of of his attraction is just to someone that who he sees as as similarly you know hurt and damaged and and how much of it is you know a feeling that you know these people are, we, we can provide a certain level of comfort for each other and how much of it is I can, you know, I can save you, I can fix you. Right. Um, because there's a certain, you know, it, it, it's n not quite that simple in, in either two lovers or in, in the immigrant, but with the immigrant in particular, there is a sense of like, I am like the best help you hope you have to survive in this country right now. Like I am, you know, your path to make enough money to get your sister out of this this um, you know, terrible situation she's in, um, and you know, he, you know, he might be right, but he's putting her. Yeah, it's a thing. That's the crazy thing. It's like he's all. That's kind. Of, but even though he is the instigator of a lot of what has happened, he's also kind of right in the idea of like what other choice does she have? She, you know, she, we're she, all of her choices are taken away from the beginning. Like she is right. someone who maintains a certain level of, you know, uh, I don't know, dignity, a certain level of ind personal independence, mm -hmm. but um, you know, really Integrity. has to assert it at every at every turn, um, you know, in order to get more money, in order to uh, determine exactly what it is she will and will not do, um, and you know, still doesn't really have that much control she is simply someone without options because all the other places that that she turns to uh are either too bureaucratic uh, and don't care or too uh you know, traditional to um you know patriarchal to whatever it is uh to uh you know to, to help her even right before the movie starts she is robbed of choice she is robbed of the autonomy of her own body she body she is robbed of giving of being able to give consent like she you know she is you know she says she's raped on that boat and which is why that they consider her of low morals is because she was she her choice is taken away whether you know she wanted to give consent or not and it's her choice of her own body and like yeah it is that's the thing it's like through every turn no matter what she does she is she isn't really allowed to make a choice not really I mean, and, she's just forced into either surviving or not. And yet there's this just this interesting dynamic because she is uh, such a deeply religious woman. She is like old, like an old fashioned, like uh, European immigrant Catholic. Um, you know, she she views herself as complicit in, in her own uh, right. you know, her own exploitation. Like she goes to church and says, like, you know, I, I, I use my body for money and and um, she has such, you know, she says she's ashamed and it's very clear she has just this deep fear of, of what it means for her soul that she's even willing to do this to help her sister and to survive. Like there, there is just, just this, this terrible dilemma of like not having any choice and also feeling, uh, I don't know, guilty for having to make the only choice that you have in front of you. Right. Yeah, and, and her conscience is, is, oh, Go yeah, her, her conscience is like constantly at war, um, to beg for forgiveness, or to like succumb to the world that she's faced with, 
um, like when she's stole stealing money and Bruno catches her and she has to return it. But then like later on in the movie, uh, she has that knife to, uh, I think it's, I think it's Belva that, that she's, uh, also stealing money from again. And pair of scissors. Right. Right. Pair of, yeah, that's right. Um, and so then, yeah, and it becomes this thing of like, it's, it's eating her. Uh, but then she's also like trying to remain this, this thing of purity that Bruno imagines her as. And it's, it's, con- yeah, it's, it's and Cotier just like perfectly balances. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he uses her, just her facial expressions so well, Gray. Mm. Like those close-ups are so well earned. <laughs> Like she des- he described as her as like an old movie star, and that's like spot on. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking of that scene where or a silent movie star movie, rather, yeah. where she's in the yeah she's in the confession, and and uh, it's this just tight close up on her face, and and you see just her, you know, either looking directly in, into like into you as if she's looking for absolution, also being unable to look away. And, and no, sorry, un- unable to keep her her gaze because she feels such guilt. She's looking down, um, and and just Gray uses and th- and as this is happening, you mentioned Clay earlier. The Tree of Life, that funeral canticle, uh, is is used. Um, it's used a couple of times in this. It's used in the Tree of Life, and it's just as this deep, um, like a- attempt for her to engage with her faith, attempt for her to find absolution for these sins that are you know one not sins and two not her fault um mm-hmm. and uh you know just just how how gray uses her is is just incredible in the, in, in this it's it's um as grand a use of like a a movie star's face as i can remember in the last decade absolutely yeah and, and that and that piece of music you almost feel like you're ascending like she's she's trying to like communicate with a higher power uh or begging for some sort of a attention for a higher power. Like I'm thinking of how it's used in, in early in the tree of life. I think, um, you know, as it really in just the first 10 minutes, it's used, mm-hmm. I think shortly before we find out that, um, the, uh, brother of the main character, uh, has, uh, at a certain age committed, uh, and, you know, died by suicide. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, here it's instead used, um, at one point where she's at Ellis Island and unable to join a, a, I think a religious service, something like that. And, uh, this other point where she is in, uh, you know, in confession, trying to, you know, trying to talk to God, trying to find absolution from God and from her church. And, uh, you know, as she's talking about, you know, her, her exploitation, how uh, this man forces her to do these things, uh, for, for money so she can help her sister, you know, the, the priest's first, you know, his first thing he says is, "God punishes you for his for your sins." Um, right, and you know, he he reassures her that, "Oh, you no, know, he he's happy that his the lamb has come back to the flock." But it's just, you, know, you she's given no no options and no real comfort except the possibility that she might be doing this for someone. She might be able to get her sister out of this. She might be able to build a better life. It's just, you know. That, that's kind of America for you, uh, for, for right. a lot of you know people coming to it. It's just this vague promise that maybe things will get better. Maybe I, I will get some respite from everything that's brought me here. Um, and uh, this system that looks like it, it's 
there entirely to chew me up isn't going to do that. Right. And it's also like he comes away with the idea, like his his advice, his godly advice is to leave that man. It's like, oh, fucking great. And do what? What's the yeah. other fucking choice, dude? It's like, I love how Gray makes New York feel so small. It's like so, it's like it feels so like there's yeah. only like three or four locations because the thing is she's boxed in. And, and two of those she... locations has like a um, like a striptease show, you know. It's like all performance and and like right. talent and and. Uh, but the moment she walks outside, she's yeah. immediately confronted and like and uh, confronted by men just like looking at her, teasing her, and catcalling her. Like she's not safe anywhere. And like Bruno says it all the time. And also Emil at one point is like, "Are you should, you should, are you sure you should be walking home by yourself? Like the world is out to fucking like." either rob her of her choice or rob her of her life like it's all hostile territory and so it feels yeah. so and she is left with no choices so she's just boxed in at every turn and, and, and like the, you, you barely see any exteriors either yeah and and the two men who are there to quote-unquote help her are, are untrustworthy in one way or another uh, <laughs> right and, and yeah i mean it is it is just how how claustrophobic a lot of it feels, how claustrophobic that apartment uh, feels, like where, where she's living with uh, Bruno, like where there's, it, it just, you feel the sense of a lot of people are living here, a lot of people have lived here. Uh, this, this place has not gotten better however long it's been standing. Um, you know, it, it is enough right now, but it, it is, you know, this is essentially the entire world for you. Um, exactly. And, until you find a way out if you can at all and it's shot by the by the great darius kanji who's like one of the great working cinematographers you know um yeah and it's funny like next episode we're gonna be uh talking about another movie shot by darius kanji which one oh crazy uh uncut gems oh fantastic (laughs) um but like even the stage and backstage of Rosie's like bar or whatever is also very claustrophobic. Like when Emil and um and uh Bruno are t- chasing each other, it's like they go through the entire like building so quickly cuz it's so small, it's so compact. And they're like in all of those girls are like packed in like sardines back there just waiting to be brought up on this small tiny stage. Like, everything is just, like, closing in on her. And the only time there's, like, wide open spaces is on Alice Island at the very end. That's the only time where she actually has room to breathe and not, like, be and not closed in on... And then she's immediately shown to a room, almost, like, when, the moment she gets there. Uh, but obviously, like, at the end, it's, like, her on a boat in the wide open sea. Mm. Um, but it's, like, yeah, I mean, I... I it's crazy, because, like, New York usually, and especially in, like, you know, in cinema, it's like the biggest place in the world. It's the entire, you know, it can feel like a, a different, it could feel like a whole planet, New York City. Yeah, I, I think we, t- we, men- we mentioned this in Margaret. That's uh, it's like the complete opposite, honestly. Right. It's just this like, open canvas of. Uh, so many exterior shots in that movie as well. Exactly. Like, and there's like almost, I mean, of course, some of this might be it's like budgetary reasons, but even, but it, 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 I don't, it doesn't even really matter because it's such a, like, con- it's such a consistent and concise choice of having it feel so tiny. Like you see, like one or two rows throughout the entire movie. Even the prison feel. Even like when she is out on that street waiting for him to come 
out of prison, even that kind of feels small. It all feels like you, you get no sense of an actual city. It's just like these one or two locations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Gray, Gray is so good at, at, at depicting just these insular communities and has right. been from, from his first couple of films with the little Odessa in the yards. But with this one in particular, it, it seems like he wants to not just like show how like a, a, you know, a, a community is going to be closest with each other, but specifically how uh, these people really don't have anyone else. Uh, right. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of them are not there necessarily by choice. Uh, you know, some, you know, some may have, uh, so, you know, some of them may be okay with, with this life, but obviously Ava isn't. And, and they're mm-hmm. in a precarious situation. Their, their ringleader is a, uh, kind of twitchy and not terribly trustworthy, not terribly charming, uh, uh, ill-tempered, uh, man. Like Bruno isn't, isn't like, he's not constantly flying off the handle necessarily, but it's, it's clear that, uh, you know, he's, he's a volatile presence to some degree. I mean, he goes, he's one step away from blowing up. He's always Uh, on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And, And meanwhile, Emil is, uh, introduced as, uh, you know, a more straightforward charmer who, of course, uh, can't be everything uh, that he seems to because he's a magician. But uh, you know, it's all an illusion. Has... The 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 love story. Um, <laughs> I, I it's it's just it's fascinating to me how how Phoenix is pretty much exactly what he seems from the beginning, just because he's not good at hiding. Um, you know, this this particular character is bad at coming across as as. Uh, more charming than he is, more uh, gregarious than he is, more um, uh, you know, sincere and, and, and well-meaning and, and altruistic. Uh, like, it's just he's the only option that, that uh, is available. But he is sincere about his feelings, whereas Emil uh, you know, is introduced so um, you know, as, as this just almost kind of mystical being uh, you know, because he's, he's able to levitate, he's able to uh, defy death. He's able to uh, you know, conjure all of these illusions and, and charm so easily, and, and seem like you know the you know the the magic solution. He looks like he's plucked out of the world of prestige a little bit. Uh, the, yeah, it's the you know it's it's not that uh, this excuses Phoenix's exploitation, but he he does. Um, actually, I don't know where I was going with that. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, that's that's this entire thing. That's, that's entire what a show. what a great way to start, and then realize, uh, actually, never mind. I'm I'm backing out of this one. <laughs> right, 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 right. But no, I kind of, um, but like, I, the, I think it's the more, thing. I I was just getting more that his feelings about Evo seem sincere, even if his, um, you know, it, it's all colored with with his willingness to exploit her. Whereas, uh, I, I don't know how sincere Emil is about anything. I'm still kind of on the fence after after this viewing as to what exactly his intentions are beyond uh, you know sticking it to Bruno again. Right. I think and, and I just love um, the uh, the love triangle that blossoms because it's it's almost like they're little cousins again. That they're just these little kids that see the same crush at, in school or something. And they're just like, no, mind first, you know. And it's, and it, um, it becomes so like immature, and um, yeah. it shows. And it shows like their facades are breaking down. 
And the more charming, more popular one is the one who gets the girl at least at right. first and, and you know, wins her heart. And, of course, it's not fair for the guy who's uh, really not that much better. Uh. And, it's, and it's funny. Like, it, when uh, Bruno kills uh, Emil, I, um, I was like, I knew this was coming. And I knew this was this was gonna like in in, in that scene is kind of building towards that, um, but I had double featured the uh, the I was about to say the imitation game. <laughs> I, had, uh, I had double featured uh, the immigrant with uh, the yards last last night, and Joaquin um, also kills Charlize Theron, <laughs> but like accidentally. Spoilers for the yards, and and, and you know it's like. It, it's it's funny how how like Gray um, writes such different and unique characters for Joaquin, but but like in both movies he's like um, sympathetically killing off one of the other main characters. Um, now, at the time of this, there was a uh, interview that just slightly going to the side a little bit. There was an interview that John C. Riley did with Alana Hyam for the release of Licorice Pizza. And they were talking about Joaquin Phoenix um, in in a little paragraph for it, and <laughs> I just really love the way that Riley describes um, Joaquin. He's he's like a raccoon rummaging through garbage cans. What's he gonna do now? <laughs> Why look at anything else while this is Licorice, going on? Licorice pizza. He, what's that? That was that the he, John C. Riley interviewed for Licorice Pizza. Yeah, he interviewed Alana Hyam for it. And they oh, were just, they I were, see. I see. Sorry, I see. sorry okay. if I didn't explain it well enough. But no, 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 no. Were, no, no just, I, I misheard you. Okay, sorry. Isn't Riley also like one of the many people? Who yeah, he's like in it for a second. I think, I but, seen the movie, uh, but um, it's killing us both. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, like, yeah, it's just, it's just funny. Like, this is like a spot-on description of Joaquin. That um, he is like a worm. Like even yeah, like even yes. if before he like when you describe to... Bruno as a worm, you weren't describing Bruno. You were describing Phoenix. You know. Uh, well, I mean, he also plays a bad. similar like one of this is going to sound kind of crazy, but like a character that's kind of close to Bruno is um, oh, what's his name in Gladiator. I mean, it's not the same. There's they're very different characters, but in the sense of exploitation and like insecurity and one in trying to prove themselves commodus um yeah. nice pull. like they're yeah they're both like sniveling little fucking worms that you want to put your shoe over a little bit i mean of course they're, they're, you know bruno is much more sympathetic and has much more of like a you know nuance and stuff while commodus is like a you know like he's just a fucking disease like he's just like a little piece of reptile garbage like right. he's just this like fucking uh cockroach like who killed like, their dad like, <laughs> right and also like threatened and like is has this romantic infatuation with his sister and also threatens to mm. kill his nephew like his nephew or whatever like he's disgusting yeah. little piece of evil yeah. shit um well, yeah well i mean I, I i wrote something about phoenix around when when Joker came out, and my one regret with the article is that I was a little too nice to his performance in Joker, even if I was right. in like, the movie. Um, but uh, just a rare uh, dud from him on that one. But which good piece I, though? I, like otherwise, <laughs> thank I, I I appreciate it. It, it um, 
you know, the, the thing that struck me is, is just how he he's just always, or, you know, often at least drawn to these characters who are sort of lost souls, who seem to have just some part of them that's been taken out, uh, or at least they, they fear this, and they, they fear that they're incomplete, they fear that, uh, you know, that, that they're, you know, there's really that there's nothing left for them. And uh, that comes through with, with Commodus and, and Gladiator. I, I'm mixed on that film, but you know, it, it, it always struck me how well he, he uh, you know, does both the scenery chewing uh, in that one and also how much he, he just grabs that this is, this is a character who uh, is living in uh, you know, complete knowledge that uh, he is not a good person and that his dad knows that he is not a good person doesn't think he's uh, particularly useful or smart and uh, doesn't want anything to do with them. Uh, in this one, it's it's more, uh, I don't know, someone through their own actions seems at least a little more aware that actually he really is. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the original title for this movie was Low Life. Uh, so maybe what I would <laughs> And also the, light, the Nightingale was, was another alternate title. Yeah, I, I know. I, there's, uh, that, that title's been... Uh, I, I know there was that, that, um, was it Jennifer Kent? Yeah. Yeah. And there's an, I, I think there's another movie with a similar title that's, that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, sorry. Um, I don't know. Just there, there's something about Phoenix, this, this ability to, to, to dive into these characters who seem to, you know, either whether they're aware of it or not, like that they they feel hollowed out, and right, yeah, um, like you know, there may or may not be be a redemptive act that can that can uh, bring them, uh, you know, that that can complete them again, or that can that can fix them, that can forgive their sins. Um, uh, but but they all just have this this possibility of of. Uh, no, human connection uh, having ended for them, and I think that's that's part of the reason he keeps returning back to Gray. Is like Gray wants to make movies about people in search of forgiveness, and um, being forgiven would sort of fill that that loss. Right. I also think a lot of his characters that he plays are are, are performing. Like you were never really here. He's, uh, the, he, you know, his character is performing to be this mean, this like you know, intimidating, scary, like bulk of a hitman. Like he's like this like bulky human being who will fucking eviscerate you. When he's really just a scared little kid, who just mm-hmm. who who hasn't gotten over what happened to him. And in like, and in um, you know. Uh, Gladiator, he, you know, he's performing as this manipul- uh, uh this evil, like, all, uh, this powerful emperor who can, you know, do what he will and is ruthless, when he's also just, like, a scared little boy who didn't, who, uh, who wanted daddy's approval. In this, he's, you know, pert- he's either a good person pretending to be a bad person or a bad person to be pretending to be a good person, either, whatever you want to look at it. Or like a, or in, um, what's it, uh, uh, her, like he's, it's a little harder, but it's like, he's trying to act like he's okay. Trying to get over that, um, that breakup with Rooney Mara. You know, right. Just... And he thinks he can move on through 
through um, Samantha, even though he really can't. He can. He acts like he can. That it'll be like a really fulfilling relationship when it'll never really be that. Um, yeah, it, it's I, all these performances. Sorry, go ahead, Clay. Well, yeah, no, it's just like all like all of his characters are pretending to be either okay. Like also, like with uh, Inherent Vice, he's this snarky little. Uh, detective who has all these quips and is above the system, but he's also like horribly depressed that he's so alone. Right, and and you know, I, I think of of um, something like her, which um, I, I'm I remember really loving that at the time. I I still like it, maybe not as much as I did, but you know, it it you know it gets its characters like loneliness and and his passion, but like he is so like over dependent on on right. his partners and and so you know desperately needing validation in that movie like he phoenix is is great at at, at playing characters who have a certain deep neediness in them for for a deficiency things. yeah because mm-hmm. they, they either feel like they they don't have it or just there's there's something i mean i i think of something like um you know my, my favorite performance of his is still probably the master like you know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's like the ultimate version of of trying to be searching for for something, you know, like Freddie Quill is is in pursuit for nothing, but but he's still wandering uh, forever, you know, he could could be. Yeah, and and it's one of those performances that, you know, just Phoenix, I think it really, he was always a good actor, but it, it really is with We Own the Night On, where I think he seems to just have found this this incredible ability to do the most methody stuff possible. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the... Method can be uh, misused as a term just so often that I, I, I don't even want to dive into that. But just, they're, they're extraordinarily showy performances that still have, in most cases, like the, this naturalistic feeling this this feeling of like they're all all of these gestures are are lived in and in the moment and able to just give us the sense of uh, of a character rather than a sense of an actor per, like showing off which is um you know th- there are there are exceptions i think joker uh, is an obvious one i i can think of other roles where phoenix is clearly uncomfortable mary Ma- mary magdalene i think that's yeah, sort of have either of you up. seen mary magdalene i mean if you want to talk about a buried buried movie that's <laughs> uh yeah, yeah it made six dollars yeah, walking know. phoenix is jesus which yeah. um you know you could maybe see the logic of like okay another daddy's boy what <laughs> another daddy's boy it was a joke. yeah exactly no <laughs> You know, you could maybe see the logic of, of um, you know, Willem Dafoe was cast as, as Jesus and people thought it was absurd and, and he's fantastic in it. But, you know, Garth Davis is not Scorsese. <laughs> Scorsese, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say. It's just he's, he's, he seems uncomfortable. He, he's overly morose in that particular Garth Davis. Is that, is that Lion? Is the yeah, director? Yeah, Lion. Lion yeah. And, and, you know, he co-directed Top of the Wake with Jane Campion. But right, he does yes. something else. I'm not giving him the credit. <laughs> until mary magdalene no. part two then no uh, right Jesus. but he's uh, back yeah. he's back he, he, may, he may have signed on to something else but i i don't know i uh, mm. just i i remember seeing lion in theaters and just being like this is so 
yeah, that's that's and, another imitation game almost where it's like, oh, yeah, what, is no, this? what are we I, doing here? I think here? the imitation game is a little worse, but yes, I, I 100% yeah. blame Stripe. But um, yeah, yeah, and, and like all of, all of these parts that Joaquin is choosing all just feel like real people that could like exist. They don't feel like uh, too out of the ordinary. Um, again, I'll, I'll say except for Joker. Yeah, or or like they they might feel um, you know out of Freddie Quell is not a, a guy you necessarily meet every day, but um, he's uh, you know I, I think he's lived in enough and and um, you know specific enough to to that that time period. Like he's he's this guy who was I think clearly not okay before he went to war, and then he went to war. Um, just. Uh, I, I, it I was know. made I, less okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of like a a this isn't a, a one-to-one connection, but it's kind of like a Travis Pickle thing of like mm. I don't think it's Vietnam that that fucked up uh Travis ultimately. Right. I don't, you know, World War II, it certainly didn't help uh Freddy, but um, <laughs> it's it's not the uh it, and it it exacerbated all, all like all of these other things about him, but um you know, he's there's just this this mix of of things like how much of it is him and how much of it is this thing like all these terrible things he's lived through um and uh you know is he always going to be searching um and the answer in that one is yes uh the answer <laughs> yes. in this one um you know i don't know seems seems less certain depending on which character like uh i i'm i'm never quite sure exactly what to expect for for Ava and Magda um, at the end of this movie? Like, there's there's another promise, but it may be just another version of what they've just left. Um, but there is something. There's a possibility for something. Whereas uh, for for Phoenix, like it's you know maybe you did something that was enough to help people. Maybe. Yeah. Um, abso- yeah. Absolutely. I think I think with Bruno, like he's maybe burned all his connections and friends uh, to help Ava through all this. Um, but I think he, he'll he just find another girl to hang his hat on and, and sort of manipulate a little easier than he has Eva. Um, that might be a little bleak, but I think that's the, the bleakness of the ending kind of suggests something along that line. I think he's going to prison. I, yeah. As he's shuffling out, I, I think he's, he's kind of, at the end of his, uh, his oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, like I, I, Clay, you said you thought he was going to go to prison. That's what I thought as well. A hundred percent. No, he's going to prison. I mean, whatever you think about. I mean, even if he decides to confess or not. But I like, do think that there is he, some catharsis with like admitting, yeah, like speaking out his thoughts to uh, to right. Eva at the very end. And right. But even yeah. if he's, let's say he's not telling the truth, he's still going to prison because the, because if she's not there, it's like. He he's the one, and he's probably after that. He's probably not long for this world, anyways. Yeah, like regardless either of suicide of, or whatever. Yeah, regardless of what actually does happen to him, like his redemption um, is really only possible through, um, you know, oddly one a self destructive act, uh, like his right. his like his uh, murder of of uh, Emil. Um, you know, e- even if it is. Like happening in the as Emil was taunting him, and like it really does look like he's gonna kill him. Um, 
but um, you know, he 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 destroys his own livelihood. He just like his own life is like there is really not a lot left for him, and it really it took the destruction of that uh, for him to you know, be able to do this final thing for for Eva and and Magda. And uh, you know, again, you don't know if it's going to be enough. You wonder what's going to happen to everyone else uh, that uh, was depending on on um, you know on the burlesque show on on you know this thing that he's run that has fallen apart, um, and uh, you know there's there's really not much of a possibility for a future for him. Um, no, no, he's he's not long for this world after that scene. I mean, and I I, I think he knows it. I, I I like when he looks himself in the mirror. Right before he walks out that door, I think he kind of just like, yeah, he. I think that was a like, like kind of like a last look in the mirror, like, yeah, this is it. All right, let's get to move on. You know, it, it's. I mean, and what a what a fucking shot. Yeah, um, it's pretty that, miraculous. Like, yeah. It, yeah, is that a split? I couldn't tell if it was a split diop a split diopter or not, but it fucking with yeah. like half of it is the me of him walking out the mirror, and half of it is you know looking out the window on at, at the boat. Um, but it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it, it's just this this great moment where you know you see you know her her and her sister rowing toward um, something we don't know ex- exactly know what um, you know, they're going they're going west I think um, California yeah um, but uh, you know there there's just there's a possibility of a future there's a a brightness in that half of the frame and uh, you know for him he's in the background he's cloudy he's he's uh, reflection. He's, uh, you know, Pat, he is not going forward. He's receding. He is passing right. away from us. And, um, you know, uh, best case scenario for him is rather bleak. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, we don't know that the best case scenario for them is really that much better, but that there is a possibility of something. And I, I don't know. It's just, it, it seems like it just perfectly encapsulates this film where there's this constant promise that maybe there is something better at the end maybe if you just keep going here if you if like there is some sort of a province in america and it may be a just a complete illusion it may be something that is receding that never existed that um you know will uh leave you with nothing uh you know whether you were born here or whether you came here it, it's right. just this um <laughs> this this there's this slight sliver of hope amid all the 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 bleakness, and it, it's really impossible to determine exactly how it's going to end up for everyone. We just know that for for you know for most of us, it's it's not going to be so great, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like when Bruno lays out the case scenario about them like going to prison or or death uh, to Eva. It's almost like he's reaffirming that to himself. Um, they need like someone to speak it to him, but he's the only one that can um, lay out the plan. Well, yeah, that's, he lays it all out there. He's like, "This mm-hmm. is like, this is that. This is everything. This yeah. is all of the every thought I've had since this journey. Every feeling, every decision, every waking moment. This is this is every. This is he lays it all out. Um, and usually those scenes can be pretty hammy and kind of just like you know, like pretty forced. Um, this one, I think they're just. I think Gray has earned it at that point, and I also think the actors do a good job of not basically overdoing it and like mm-hmm. having it feel natural and organic rather than just 
Like, it feels like in a moment where you would just be like, this, I mean, like, we're about, like, I'm either about to die, I'm about to go to prison, and I'm probably never going to see you again, so this is the fucking, this is, this is the truth, this is all of it. Like, I can't lie to myself anymore. Mm. Yeah, he can't, he can't perform for, for his own self, so, so it's just like, listen, this is the real me, I need to, um... Right, he's like, he's too tired and beaten, literally, mm. to perform, he has no more act or charisma or squirreliness like he's not even a worm at that point he's like i mean i don't think he, i don't know i don't want to say he's a man or whatever because what the fuck does that mean but he's like he's a genuine person at that point he's not a mm-hmm. reptile or this you know skinny like, or like sniveling or conniving like industrial or entrepreneur or whatever he's like a person at that one moment he's not nothing right like that that final line I remember just hitting me so hard when I when I saw it the first time. Um just knowing that I was you know, I, I knew it was this was very clearly the climax, but I heard that line and immediately know knew this is the last line of the movie. Um there's something else that's going to come after this, but I don't know what. And when it was that shot, it it just it felt so perfect um, yeah it's really well, haunting I, I don't like using that word um because it, it's vague and annoying and uh perfection is uninteresting um so i i would prefer to think of another word but it, it just it it feels so tonally right so mm-hmm. uh you know emotionally right so uh visually like exactly what the film is calling for at this moment um you know gray is uh you know, he's not necessarily the showiest of the the directors to come out of that that '90s independent film scene, but he he has just such a, a keen sense of what is and is not called for in in like a given moment, and and just um, you know everything that is that is necessary to be in the frame is there. Um, yeah, everything makes sense. Everything is like written with a purpose. Um, in his movies and, and yeah. even like in that final shot when you see the boat leaving and then Bruno walking away and finally they're uh, they're drifting apart from each other um I think Kanji could have easily let the camera go out into the ocean and like follow the boat independently but I think like s- staying kept away from uh from the travelers it's almost like it's uh, staying in tune with the rest of the movie, feeling so claustrophobic too. And yeah, also, like the... he easily could have started to blur, like go, like go out of focus and blur everything. Like you know, like it, there's a million ways mm-hmm. he could have fucked that up. But like I think it was, I don't know. It all it, it's it's just really yeah, like you said, Max. It's like hard not to say perfect because it just feels like it's the what else it can like how else could that be better. Mm. Yeah, there's no adjustments. No notes. <laughs> um, is there anything else we want to say before we get to favorite scene? Oh, well, I mean, I was I was going to talk about Marion Cotillard. Yeah. Um, we, we've already sang enough praise, but I feel like her her decade is pretty interesting. Um, you know, she's she's like flip-flop back from uh, working with like prestige director to uh, to blockbuster, um, pretty sufficiently, and and um, people have like recognized her talent. Um, yeah, it's it's just like kind of like 
from Macbeth to Assassin's Creed and like Allied and Two Days One Night, like I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just. Kinda... But she sticks with like you know like even the blockbusters she does is like a Nolan or and you know I'm not saying Kurzel. Um, it's Kurzel, right? Or is it Kurt Kurzel? Oh yeah, you're talking about the Macbeth. Sure yeah, yeah. Um, but like, but he also does Assassin's Creed, so it's not like she's not working with what like a. Who fucking directed, like, Red Notice or whatever? Like, she's working with, like, actual, like, filmmakers. Like, people who have at least something that aren't just, like, hollow studio sure, grunts. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. Like, right, have like, I her blockbuster you... directors are just Nolan and Kurt Sale, but, um... No, she just, she's Not... just remains consistent, yeah. You know, she's in, and she did it. She did do a promotional uh, short for Dior, but it was directed by David Lynch, so, uh... Right, <laughs> Yeah, have either of you oh, seen that? Really fun. Lady Blue Shanghai. No. Oh, it's fun. Uh, mm. You know, recommended. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it's interesting that you know because of the uh, delay in release, the immigrant comes out the same year that that she does Two Days One Night, and mm. they're both you know films where uh, you know you're you know, you see this person just put in a, in, in a terrible spot with very few options and and uh, just kind of having to desperately assert their humanity um mm. it's just like th- she's had other great great performances like I, I think she's fantastic in public enemies i, I love yeah. her in annette i loved her in in allied uh but you know this this for me is like tw- you know 2014 the year where she's in the immigrant and two days one night it really like in gray and in the dardens and james gray like use her so uh differently that yeah it's like but the the interior of the character is kind of similar yeah it, it's right well i mean yeah i mean and one of them is is using them in all of their movie star glory and the other is is uh you know putting them you know, famous for using non you know non-professional actors or or you know uh people who were i don't think i know jeremy renier not to be confused with jeremy renner um <laughs> you know i i know that i i think he was just starting when he was in La, La Promesse uh, for the Dardens, but, you know, just essentially, um, you know, making Cotillard just seem like another one of, of, of their, uh, you know, working class protagonists um, and, and having her seem like she, you know, she fits. She doesn't just come off like a movie star, uh, you know, doing this, uh, actually full of vanity vanity free turns um mm-hmm. it's kind of like willem dafoe in the florida project a little bit like uh yeah how, they, how, yeah. It, how he like feels like such a real person um surrounded by all these non-actors um so yeah it's... am i the, I, I don't know but am i the only one who thinks that she embarrasses depp in public enemies like she just out acts the fuck out of, like it's just so much better um it's I don't really like him in that movie. I see I, I think he's great in that. Um but I wonder how much of it is that, you know, that was kind of the well, no, not the start because she had won an Oscar a couple of years earlier, although for a mm-hmm. movie I don't like very much. Um yes. uh, I mean she's she's fine on Lovey Young Rose, but it, I wouldn't have it among her Which honestly if Weinstein had like pushed this, like he, she could have gotten another nomination. Um Yeah, I mean yeah. if if the if she was like respectful to the movie. Yeah. What? If if Weinstein was respectful to the movie, could have like yeah. Uh, like assuming it comes out in 2013 it. rather than 2014, since you 
there's this weird rule at the Oscars where you can get two Best Director nominations and two Best Screenplay nominations, but you mm-hmm. can't get two Best Actress nominations. You can get up for Actress and Supporting, and supporting actress, actress or Actor and Supporting Actor, but mm-hmm. you can't get two nominations in the same category, and it's only in the acting categories, yeah. as, as and, I'm aware. And I believe this is Kate Blanchett for the Blue Jasmine year. If, uh, uh, that 20- was 2013, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cotillard lost for two days, one night, um, and the year that The Immigrant actually came out. Uh, uh, she was lost that Julianne Julian, Moore? Yeah, Julianne Moore, which, yeah, all, all things considered, could have been worse. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've admitted on, uh, on our Gloria Bell episode that I kind of like Still Alice. It's not, it's not like it's, it's the right. worst. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like an embarrassing career win. You know, it's no, just... it's a perfectly like decent disease of the week movie. It's just yeah. that you know I, I can't help but watch it. <laughs> I can't. Help Sorry, but disease watch of the it. week is a very funny way to put that. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah, it's it's you know it, it's one with an actual budget not one made as an abc movie tv movie of the week right. from the 80s but um uh sorry where was i going with that um sorry oh, i just uh, talked about I'm, I'm yeah i think we were talking about my, by my cat racing around <laughs> the room demanding my attention um, <laughs> what does joni have uh, thoughts about james gray <laughs> uh she's a novice she just watched the immigrant tonight <laughs> but i think she liked it yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, oh, sorry for for public enemy. I wonder how much of it is oh, right. is just that you know that's as Cotillard is starting to appear in more movies that are actually kind of worth seeing. Um, right. You know, not not to dismiss her earlier work because I, I know she had done some other like it's been forever since I've seen a very long engagement. I was fourteen, but. I remember her being very good in that, and and um, I, I know she had done other uh, French movies. She's in mm-hmm. a, a Ferrera movie. She she's in Big Fish, but she's in Big Fish. She's yeah. charming she's in Big Fish. I mean, it's a small part, yeah. but she's yeah, like, you yeah. Know, she I, I remember her being good, but yeah, her um, and Credit have good chemistry. Yeah. But you know, La Vian Rose, she gets the Oscar, and then two years later, she's in Public Enemies and Nine, and that's the start of her appearing in more things. That yes. More, more people are familiar with and being a highlight, like something to look for. For Johnny Depp, Public Enemies is for me just about the last hurrah. Right. Um, like it is. <laughs> and that was 2009, so it's like, think I about just, it. yeah, I guess I find year, her so electri- is... electrifying in Public Enemies that when it's, it, it feels like sometimes Depp's like a, uh, like a cold blanket. Um, well, I think he's, he's a little more stripped down and it is asking him more to, um, you know, man is so good at, at getting actors down to just their bare essence. And, and I think with, with public enemies, he's asking him to just strip away some of the, uh, I don't know, um, the Jack Sparrowisms. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a better, uh, better like some of the the broader gesticulations that that he's using, and and just kind of like you are a movie star. Uh, you right. are one of, at this point. You're one of the most famous people in the world. Right. Of Use your presence instead of your like weird choices. Well, mm. John J- Dillinger is one of the most famous people in the world. Uh, right. In America, certainly, when he's when he's around. So, like, that's what you're being asked to play. And it's one of the last times I feel Depp fully engaged as an actor with what he's doing and not, um, I don't know, relying on a bag of tricks that was starting to get... I mean, this is a year or two after 
Sweeney Todd, which I, you know, mm. aside from him not being a good enough singer for Sondheim, I, I, I do like his performance, but it's also a year before. Sweeney. What? Nothing. Sorry. Oh, it's sorry. It's a year before Alice in Wonderland. And, yeah. Uh, Alice was 2010 and Public Enemy was 2009. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's like, pretty think, like crazy contrast. That's crazy it, it's, he recovered it, from Alice. That's such an embarrassing performance. Why didn't we throw him like right. in the electric chair? Is well, he still like they, they still kept him in the like Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Like, I mean, he still was like the public. I, I'm surprised the public were like, "Oh yeah, no, we're done. No, 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 no." Well, hey guys, Alice, Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland made a billion dollars. Yeah, like it's it's like everyone I know who has seen it now hates it. A billion but dollars. It made a billion dollars. I remember getting into an argument with a friend or two at the time over it, which seems insane, but, uh, and, was, and, was the uh, friend Tim Burton? It was, no, I, I, I don't know Tim personally. Uh, <laughs> Timothy. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a hit and, yeah. uh, he was still bankable at that point. And, um, I think it was just a cumulative effect of people getting tired of his, uh, Right, you know, showing up in stuff like Alice in Wonderland and The Tourist and um, Mordecai. <laughs> Do we think Mordecai is what really killed him? At the, uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, actually, come to think of it, that was his best short. No, I haven't seen Mordecai. Uh, <laughs> it may be very funny for all I know. Yeah, right. That's uh, it, David it, Kep, I'm pretty sure. It's I mean, he has um, a mustache in it, and that's pretty funny. I, I, there's a zero percent chance he's as embarrassing in Mordecai as he is in Alice in Wonderland. I'm yeah. just gonna throw that out there right now. I, I'm saying he, he's. There's no way he is as annoying in that as he is in that in, Into the Woods in in. Um, oh God, what was that other? Uh, oh, I, I mentioned it earlier. Tusk. He's terrible in Tusk. Very oh my thousand. god, yeah, jeez. Grindelwald, remember when he played Grindelwald? Yeah, Grindelwald. <laughs> the crimes. I, I did not see those movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand that there is a moment in the second one where he vapes and we see, like, images of, like, death camps. Oh my oh. god. Oh. Yeah, that sounds right. I didn't yeah. see it either. That came Someone out on my birthday me back that year. That, I, I did. that would yeah, not be a birthday of... watch. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't see it. Um, that, yeah, this, that's crazy. This is the first time that we're talking about a Jerry, Jeremy Renner movie, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, do we have any um, strong thoughts? Or, or I think he's a good actor, actor, and I think, I mean, he's a problematic person for sure. Um, he's, I think, I like him. I know people, I, I, there's, I don't know, I, uh, his career, like, there, there's not a lot of home runs, there's not a lot of points where you're just like, oh yeah, he's like one of the best actors, blah, blah, blah. Like I think he's great in Hurt Locker. I think he's I think he's, he's pretty good in this. He's excellent in the town that we were talking about this before we started. Like that one two punch like catapulted him. Like okay, like you're you're really going somewhere. Yeah. Like interesting directors are using you, and then he just like yeah. gets caught up in the Marvel machine a little bit. Right. Well, I remember him um, a little bit as a character actor in the 2000s because I, I remembered him in the assassination of Jesse James by the coward yeah. Robert Ford. Um, uh, I know some people like him in 28 weeks later. I, I never saw that. Um, but, he's, um, he's fine. I mean, he's not like he's playing like 
He's just playing like another military jughead. But like, but so, but I'm has, pretty like, sure his empathy. breakout was Dahmer. Yeah, Dahmer. Uh, that that's one I I I still need to see. Um, but yeah, I I just recall uh, immediately people being excited by him um, with the Hurt Locker and the Town back to back, where like he gets those double Oscar nominations and um, you know the Town. Uh, no, sorry. The, the town wins best picture. Uh, that would have been preferable to the King's Speech. No, the Hurt Locker wins best picture, and it briefly seems like he's both going to be this this uh, interesting character actor playing these these reckless uh, you know, wild cards, and yeah. uh, also someone who could potentially um, be a big star because um, you know, it looked like he might take over the Mission Impossible movies at one point. He took over the Bourne movies. Um, he, for one, uh, one, one movie, one. For one. and then five years one. later, five years later, Damon like, no. <laughs> yes. But you know, the, you know, the the Marvel uh, the Marvel machine is uh, rather enticing, and and he himself does not seem like the most self aware or or um, you know uh, put you know he he doesn't he's he's got a lot of problems. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's kind of interesting uh, is like. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, and Born Legacy are a year apart, and that kind of reeks of like, okay, Jeremy Renner, you're not going to take over Mission Impossible, but Born, maybe. Like Tom wants to keep Mission Impossible, we're just going to let that be. But but he also uh, tries shit like Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Like I I I, I under like Marvel does fuck up some actor's career, but I kind of believe that this isn't Marvel's fault. I mean, like the projects he chooses when he's not in Marvel is like. I think, like, he's in, like, Tag. Remember Tag? Like, that yeah. Marvel didn't do that to him. That was him. I'm sorry, are well, you... He, well, you can't you can't make up a movie and claim that it... Right, right, right. That doesn't exist. What am I talking yeah. about? Uh, and, 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 like, had... working with David Russell makes sense, I suppose. Like, that's the same year as... Yeah. You know, but but I, no one I remembers him from that movie. Well, I, I do. I actually <laughs> think he's pretty good. In the, I don't like American Hustle at all, um, but... <laughs> I think he's pretty good in it. Um, though I'm also one who thinks that uh, with that one, there's there's some actual good performances just getting lost in all the the murk. Like I I, I kind of like what Cooper and Bale are, are doing. I just think that um, you know, Russell just does not have a handle on. Do you generally not like Russell? I like him up to I Heart Huckabee's. Yeah. Um, or no, I guess up to the Fighter. But after that, it's. Uh, just a, a steep decline, um, but you know, with Renner, he had at least a couple of uh, other like big projects for him, like like roles that were meant to be showcases for him as actors, like not do well. Like The Immigrant, it didn't it didn't do very well, and I think it's one of his best performances, but it it, uh, it was barely released. He was in that movie called Kill the Messenger. Um, I don't know if either of you are familiar with that. I've, I, I'm familiar. I've seen but... a million trailers for it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, same. Well, I mean, no, nobody really saw it, and as I recall, it was just okay. But you know, it's as a story, it's like, are, are either of you familiar with what that's about, or no? No, not at all. I know that's okay, based so on true story, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it's a journalist named Gary Webb who uh, exposed uh, that you know the, the CIA were drug running. Um, and he, uh, died under mysterious circumstances. Um, but yeah, he, he won a Pulitzer Prize for, for, um, 
uh, you know, covering an earthquake. And then he wrote a, there's a book uh, based on a series of articles he wrote called Dark Alliance that is about the um, origins of the crack cocaine trade in LA um, and uh, the role that the CIA and the Contras uh, played uh, in all of this, uh, which is uh, now at least known by some, but um, you know, was, was uh, pretty controversial at the time. Anyway, the, the guy um, died under, I think, like officially it was a suicide. I'm not sure if there was other information about it. Right, uh, right. But uh, yeah, Renner played him and, and got good reviews for the, the performance, but the movie just kind of came and went. Yeah. Hmm. I feel and like then, that, I mean, that's kind of the does, pattern with but, his oh, career, though. Like, he's, he's well-received in the movie that kind of fumbles well, to make an impact. Well, I mean, he's in The Arrival after <clears throat> in 2016. Uh, that's Not a different the arrival. movie. The arrival, the arrival is completely different. I know. Yes. I don't... I, I, I can't... I've never done that before. I've never said The Arrival before Arrival. Um... Well, just so just so you're aware, it's not the Dune. I I understand. Thank you. I, I really really. Thank okay, you. I'm just trying to save you. For the... <laughs> thank you. Yeah. No. I I know. You, you know. You save my butt sometimes, Jack, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um. But which he's good in Arrival. He's good in. And then he does Wind River, which is like, yeah, like okay, like and he's, he's fine. He's in fine that, in it. Yeah, Jack. Jack and I discussed it right before you jumped on, and and. Uh, yeah, that whole that whole movie is uh, just right. You know, not 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 the not the uh, window into that story that I would have liked. I would like right. to not do an episode on that. Um, right, I'm just putting right. it. I'm it, just putting it out there. <laughs> it's a, it's also not even that interesting to talk about. It's just like okay, fine, no. that's a movie, I guess. Whatever, let's just move on. Um, and now, if someone brings us Hell or High Water, okay, no, well, right, no, and he I'm like, open arms. But he's good, I guess, in Wind River. I can't tell. It's been a while since I saw that. But it's like... But then he does, like, the fucking The House with Will Ferrell, apparently, and then Tag, and then, like, uh, then Endgame, and then Arctic Dogs, and it's like... And apparently his new, what, Peacock show, or what, a Paramount Plus show, apparently he's good in it, but it's kind of... it's but it's Put fine, some respect so on Mayor of Kingstown. It's apparently oh not that bad. All right. Right. <laughs> And apparently he's good in it, so... Friend of the pod, Tyler Hartford, actually kind of enjoys it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Tyler I watches the TV. It. Tyler watches en- enough TV for all of us, I feel like. <laughs> Ty is a man for the people, all right? That's... <laughs> I mean, he watches the morning show, and I feel like he's doing that for all of us right now. He's taking the hit. Anyone with a year-long Apple TV Plus subscription is watching the morning show, all right? <laughs> I, ha- I, I, have, I, have, I have I have one have that I don't... Apple, I have an Apple TV uh, subscription I do not. <laughs> I, I got it for Sophia Coppola. <laughs> right. Yeah. On the Rocks is good. I huh? really wonder what yeah, the I numbers were that Rocks. for On the Rocks. Like, you know, like if they got a big boom or not, because like Sophia Coppola draws in the crowds. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, I, I wonder if that actually will happen for uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he'll release it in theaters, so yeah, that's I don't true. know. Yeah. Um,. But no, I. But to run. But to sp- speak specifically of Renner in this movie, I think he's really good in it. I think it uses his talents really well. I think he is that. He is always kind of like the artificial. Like he plays a, a magi- Like you said, it's like you can't really trust him. I, I don't. You know, I don't think any of his great performances are in movies where you're like you can trust him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, like the town. But- 
you can't like he's yeah. a loose cannon and, and hurt locker and also like same. hurt locker is the same and that's why like they sort of use him in the same mode uh in 09 in, in 2010 and he was brought into the immigrant similarly uh how Emil is brought on to the movie right like halfway through like Marion Cotier was talking about in an interview he was casted later in the process than Joaquin and Marion Cotier were which is interesting um I mean, he seen... doesn't fit with them. It's like, oh, they're in a movie yes. together? It's weird. Did, did you see, was there someone else cast first, or was he just brought on? Later? He was just brought on later. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't see anyone else as an alternate cast. Yeah, he, he makes a lot of sense, because like there is that rec- ec- sorry that recklessness, but also that, that sense of, like, um, you know, he will pursue that till it's it's well past like the, the point of being advantageous to him. Like, he, he mm. will like push it to the point of it's being self-destructive and that that's something that came through in a lot of his best roles i'm thinking of uh yeah the hurt locker in the town and even uh you know the assassination of jesse james where um you know his character uh picks on uh casey affleck uh as robert ford just uh, one too many times uh, <laughs> or uh you know cer- uh, certain certain things happen right hey let's not give anything away yes right <laughs> yeah um, um, I also, but it's also like, it kind of, and his performance in this kind of relates to the whole Mission Impossible debacle. It's like where he's trying to become Tom Cruise, even though we all know he's not Tom Cruise. And this, it's right. like, he's trying to be this kind of charismatic movie star, but we're all kind of like, we don't buy it. What do you, well, this yeah, is and there's, there's a little where... bit of like, Eva doesn't buy it either. Um, and even right. when he offers her to become his assistant in California, um, that that's like the ultimate declaration of she I knows like he's full of shit. The, that's she the ultimate that. declaration of I like the idea of you rather than actually being with you, right? Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know. I I you know, at that point she seems pretty desperate and pretty. I, I don't know. At least somewhat willing to go with this possibility of getting away from this particular guy. Um, but it's you know, for me, Renner. Like he does have a certain. Um, charm to him um as you know as, as a performer that comes through in this movie in particular like he is um you know he has a more natural charisma in this than than phoenix does because the you know the phoenix character is supposed to be you know a lot more awkward but um there's just something uh, yeah untrustworthy about it and uh you know willing to um play with danger to the point of of uh genuinely hurting someone um, and possibly getting yourself hurt. Right. It's His performance in this is almost kind of like an uncanny valley in the sense of, like, he's close to being, like, I'm close to just buying into what he's selling and being swooned by his charisma, but there's just, like, there's something off. Like, he's not... There's something off. All the, and yeah. I think he plays that and really And that's well, essentially Runner. You know, there's something right, off exactly. about you. Yeah. Right. It's one of those things where, like, I can't... Uh, my guard down even though all you're do like everything you're doing right now is supposedly charming and i'm like getting those effects off of you you, you know like i'm not you know it's not like you're cringy or whatever but it's like i'm still i can't fully just be like yeah yeah great guy or whatever it's like, totally he still has this slime kind of sliminess or this like you can't really buy his intentions even though he might but it, even though logically it makes sense he would do this or that but it's still kind of like I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to be and, left in a, alone in a room with you because I don't, I don't get, I don't know you. And the way Phoenix reacts to him, you know, 
part of it is is jealousy, um, right? Obviously, part of it is just uh, a, a sense of possessiveness and and also uh, you know personal jealousy, emotional jealousy. But um, he, you know, Phoenix does know that uh, his cousin is bad news. It's not just a matter of this guy has done me wrong, but uh, that that you know there's an actual possibility of, of another person being hurt, someone he cares about even as he's exploiting this person and, and uh, you know, hurting them. Um, it's also all that's, like, too good. It's like he's just this... Like, the thing is, like, he's a fantasy. Like, Emil is a fantasy while Bruno is the reality. Like, he won money playing cards. He's this world-traveling, you know, magician who got into some disagree this, like, vague disagreement with a promoter or whatever. It's like... It, it and I don't even know if I really believe that he actually won all that money or whatever. It's all so, it's all just so like that. Everything lines up way too well, and you're like too charming, and you're too this, and you're too that, mm. and you're too nice, and it's, it's all just I all I just get are bad, like you know red flags. And, and I love I, the uh, yeah the argument that Bruno gets in with the promoter because he sees Emil there, but really it's. It's like he's acting like a business owner when he's just like another employee, um, at that right. at that strip uh, brothel type show and, um, right, um, yeah, he he becomes you know there's this emotion to Bruno or to uh, Bruno when it comes to Emil that is uncontrollable, like he just. He loses his... It's like a bull scene red. Like, he can't... Con- yeah, can't I love that, that part. Yeah, because um, yeah, it's almost like they revert back to their age. Like, um, like they're just little yeah, they're kids. kids. Like they're, they're, they're kids. Yeah, but the, um, what happens... They're playing dress-up. Yeah. Right, but the, what happens is if a real if a kid plays with a real gun and, a, and another kid plays with a real knife, someone's going to get killed. It's like, yeah. that's... They don't take anything serious. They don't really take it seriously. At least Emil doesn't. And they don't take it seriously when it's like Eva's life is in jeopardy. When she, like, she's in a situation which is very much real and they're playing pretend. So. And I don't think she really cares about Emil that much. I think yeah, she might like yeah. like him a bit, but definitely doesn't like love him. She definitely anything. likes him more than no. Bruno. And, Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more that, that he is at least a, you know, another vague promise of something better. Of something I mean, he's not else, horrible. Something that's going to get me out of my current situation, which I hate. Right. Um, but it is. Uh, you know, uh, she's a little bit wary about it, but not. Um, you know, at a certain point, you're you're talking about someone who is acting out of desperation um, you know, throughout throughout the movie. Right. And like their kiss, they share is so unenthusiastic. It's like she just kind of lets it happen. Where it's like. She just is not getting anything from it, and it's it, it, you could tell that she's just kind of like, I mean, you're nice and everything, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's a very apathetic kiss where it's just <laughs> like it just happens. You're like, all right, well, it's, I mean, and it, you know, it's all intentional too. So it's yeah, no, it really works. I, I, I like him in this, and I like the use of him. It, it's it's a fake out that uh, we we will very quickly realize um, right could could not possibly be true. Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah. you know, it's another illusion. <laughs> ah, yeah, oh, perfect. Um, it's in 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 Emil's service to 
uh, Eva is, is almost like the next best thing when she can't reach any other immediate family. Um, like the part when she's kicked out of her aunt uncle's house and uh, her sister is held, still held in captivity. Um, you're like, fine, I guess I'd rather not have her be with Bruno. And, and it's like this, this swarmy showman uh, in a meal is like all that Eva's left with. Is there anything else we want to say before uh, we get to favorite yeah. scene? Are we? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything. Yeah, are we hopping on a boat and getting off of New York? <laughs> Great movie. Uh, I I was. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I've been. Ha- like, James Gray just gone... makes good movies. I don't really. I don't right. I, I don't know why yeah. I haven't gotten full in onto Gray even after Ad Astro is my favorite movie of that year. I'm still. I don't know. It's like. I think that's I your know, favorite. It's like in there for for the for the decade. Decade, yeah. For you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I love that movie. I it, it it touches me in a way that I don't. Many movies don't. Um, well, because you've been to space, and and uh, you, I have you, been to space. You've you fought off space monkeys, right? I think Tommy Lee Jones one. is yeah. actually my father. So yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, if if you want another uh, difficult uh, father son relationship, and also with Joaquin, uh, we own the night. Uh, it's him. Robert yes. Duvall is his Excellent. dad. Yes. Uh, Wahlberg is the. Uh, you know, the brother, the, the quote unquote good brother, because he became a cop, <laughs> yeah. uh, versus Joaquin as the one who, uh, you know, is this kind of nightclub uh, running fuck up near do well. Uh, it's in the eighties, uh, right? You know. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't you know, believe the saying. You know, like you know, that person is too good playing X or whatever. But I have two. I have like like two big. Um, exceptions michael rapaport is too good at playing a racist <laughs> and uh mark Wahlberg is too good at playing a cop well in this one it's it's funny because it's a year after the departed and and he's so much more reserved in this like really just a button-up guy um, i would hope so phoenix is going because phoenix is going so um uh you know it, it, it is one of the the first like full-on Phoenix performances. Um, no dope. No. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think you were dead on earlier in saying that We on the Night was the turning point. Um, yeah. Even and then even before uh, the gap between We on the Night and the Yards, you kind of feel yeah. like there's there's a little bit of maturity in, in 07. Yeah, We We on the Night and and two lovers back to back are are really him and Gray just hitting a hitting a completely different. Um, level of what they're able to bring out of each other and uh you know two lovers i think is working with better material and um you know it's just part of that you know, add those two in into uh that that uh 2010 stretch for phoenix and he's like you know just one one remarkable movie after another and also joker yeah um, yeah one of the shining <laughs> uh joker yeah uh, yeah that's all right um Wind River, Joker, like on our blacklist, like no, no. <laughs> yeah, and also again, like not even interest, just not even interesting enough movies to talk about. That's the no. thing. It's not even like they're bad. It's like they're just solved. So just like ugh, I don't want to talk about it because mm-hmm. it all feels yeah. so like you just feel like you're walking into mud the moment you're talking about it. Uh, Max, would you like to start us off with favorite scene? Favorite scene. Um, 
in the immigrant, so not like of all time. We've talked enough about the ending. Um, I will pick instead. Uh, yeah, the confession scene. Um, mm. you know, it, it is just one of my favorite. Uh, my, one of my favorite acting moments of the last decade. Uh, just that that close up of of Cotillard's face and her um, you know, desperately trying to maintain some sort of dignity as she's you know, confessing all of these things that she thinks could potentially damn her and uh, you know, not able to let all of that go as she's, she's you know, even talking about how she's being exploited. It's just absolutely devastating for me. And, um, you know, also, you know, with, with Bruno just waiting outside the confession booth, having followed her, hearing it, uh, you know, getting a, clear sense of exactly everything it is that he's done and you know that look on his face he knows it's all true mm. and also yeah. like a horribly th- uh, like a horrible intrusive thing to do is listen on to like one of the most yeah. intimate things a person can do yeah we uh, feel it feels like a like voyeuristic almost like, it, a... like it, it's, it's like 10 times worse than reading your diary it's like hearing you know you're confessing to god and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. let me just peek in and see what she was she saying. It's like, <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. Yeah, and and it's like that's such a, it's such a creative way to to show um, Bruno's lack of privacy because it's like you don't you don't think he's respected anyone in in that sense to give them space. His and, lack of um, morals, just, his lack of his lack of awareness. Decency. Right. Yeah. He can't even Ooh. give her the decent. He can't even give her the choice of privacy. Can't even give her the choice of privacy, Joni. Uh, yeah, for, for listeners, my cat is really uh, revolting at the moment. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I for, yeah, forget she, you can't see this. She's, she's uprising. She's taking over the apartment. <laughs> Million clones are swarming you right now. Um, yeah, Clay, do you have a favorite scene? I do. Um, yeah. Speaking of a great use of nice. close-up. I think this the one that popped into You didn't mind. stall like me. This is good. I'm I'm right. clearly not the stalling right that, now. Yeah. Well, I think Max, I mean, when he talks about the use of close-ups in this movie, another one that popped immediately into mind is the close-up of her confessing to her aunt at the mm. very end. Yeah. When and you only see and you only see like the back the you know, it's like it's a close-up on her and you only see like the back of the aunt's head kind of like coming into the frame once in a while because she can't even face her. Um, it's so raw. It's Cotillard's just like in those tears the, coming down. Yeah, yeah, and that's also the moment where she's like, "Was it so wrong for me to just try to survive?" Like that's the moment where she, her kind of her religious purity kind of takes a, a back seat in the sense of like she's finally kind of speaking her truth in the sense of like, I mean, yes, what I did was wrong, and I'm probably gonna, you know, it was a sin or whatever. But like, what? But was it such a bad thing? was just it was choosing to survive choosing to still live and also choosing to do what i do for my sister am mm-hmm. i so damned for that am i such a bad person am i so morally corrupt for just doing that and it's you know, like since she was so so ashamed of having low morals in the very beginning she slowly come to realize that everyone has low morals and it's like there's no like real moral it's also purity. not her fault it's, it's also yeah. this is ha- this is done this has been done to her i mean the only reason she's considered to be low morals is because she was raped that's the right. only reason and that's and yeah. so at that point she's just kind of like it's you know what else can she do and it, it's all it all just kind of gets revealed it's all very raw and i you know i really just i and i just love that i of the the choice not to show 
the aunt's face as she's making this proclamation because it wasn't for the aunt it was really for her it was for herself mm-hmm. um i think that's just it's all really good yeah um i think this time around in the first time i saw it the introduction with a meal or uh um is it orlando the magician um oh, is the stage orlando name the magician. it's it's pretty pretty damn cool just to see that much confidence and to see Renner in a mode that we've never really seen um, or rarely have seen. Um, I think that might be my favorite just just to see that that showmanship and and, and how much he is capable of like commanding a room and and um, that almost like how he liked to imagine it love at first sight he has with Ava. Um, uh, and, and and she goes and taps on her sh- sister's shoulder, uh, right, uh, to see, like, or, or I think it's her aunt, um, in the in the crowd, um, in that moment. Um, but she, she, uh, she thought it was her sister, but it wasn't. Right, 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 right yeah. Um, and they make the great choice of actually having the actress for like the good, like the like all like all before the entire time that she's walking over there. It's like you can definitely tell it's actually her sister. But the moment they cut to her actually like tapping her on the shoulder, it's a completely different act. Like you're yeah, convinced. It's, it's really well done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that mm-hmm. choice. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just to just to see like a meal so fits perfectly in in this world and in like it the like the uh, opposite to um, the foil to uh, uh, yeah Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Thank you yeah. so much for choosing this one, uh, Max. I, yeah. James Gray, Kotiar, yeah. Phoenix. Great, great, great discussions all around. Great intersex of career arcs and all that. So this was mm-hmm. this was awesome. Thank you so much. Would love to on. see uh, Joaquin and James Gray work together in the future. Maybe could could be snuck into Armageddon time. Uh, never know. Or maybe the one after that. Uh, where can everybody I, I find your? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. No, I I understand that Phoenix has kind of a busy schedule now, uh, <laughs> right? Because he's he's, he's going to be in the new Ari Aster. And, uh, he's working with everybody. Yeah, yeah, and he's working with Ridley Scott again, right? Playing yeah. Napoleon uh, for <laughs> that's an Apple TV thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's Clay, what, okay. that, that that's must be what you're thinking was. of. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts about the really Scott and the point. Um, uh, we'll 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 see. Uh, as I've I've said many times, he is a man who cannot tell a good script from a bad one, and uh, you know we 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 learn every time. Were you were you on set con- consulting for House of Gucci, or were you the first one to see it? Um, if I had been on set consulting for House of Gucci, they would have cast anyone but Jared Leto. So. <laughs> I haven't seen this I movie yet. I, I I may I may yet still enjoy it, but that sounds that sounds like a, a perfect Thanksgiving watch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks thanks so much for for coming by. Um, where can everybody find your your work and uh, yourself on the internet? If you have anything to where plug they, or promote, uh, they can find me on Twitter at Apply No Rules. Um, my work on the internet. Uh, I, I've written for RogerEbert.com in the film stage, but uh, it's been a little less uh, frequent over the last year. So uh, I don't know. Uh, just follow me on Twitter. I'll, I'll tweet if I'm if I'm ready again. Excellent. Yeah, same with me. Uh, it's been slow, but uh, 
this is this has been like my my outlet if I always wanted to uh, get back into it. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Jack H Raper, and my letterbox is Jack Draper Seven. Um, this can be found on HBO Max. Um, next week we have Uncut Gems, as for mentioned, uh, with Carrie Wartmore, who is returning. Uh, it's gonna be, yeah, we're staying in New York. Just uh, a few decades nice. later. <laughs> a movie I saw on Christmas Day, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> yes. Instead of uh, 19, uh, was... uh, 21, it's going to be uh, 2012. So it's a little different New York, you know? So. Right. It's one of the uh, more successful Christmas Day uh, movie outings my family went on. Um, you know, everyone got caught up enough that uh, when he makes his big bet, uh, my mom literally yelled out, No! <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw with a friend of mine and we like gripped hands in the final half like oh my god oh that's adorable oh fuck I saw that by myself but everyone in the theater was pretty into it and like I came back and my and my uh, family were like what did you go see and I'm like uncut gems like what on Christmas (laughs) are you okay I'm like, yeah, man, oh. I'm jazz. That was fucking great. That was awesome. <laughs> that might be like, licorice pizza this year. I'm like so happy. Right. What are you talking about? This is aw- that was great. Um, Kevin Garnett is. You start making bets person. on Christmas, like <laughs> I want a 23 on rebounds. <laughs> right. Uh, Kevin Garnett and Christmas never. I, who knew it worked? They worked so well together. Who knew? Um, oh, this is, it's gonna be a good one. I have a feel it's gonna be an all timer. Yeah, us. I'm gonna do a, at <laughs> least well, two hours on Kevin Garnett. At least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everyone can find me. At I'm Birds not going to cut any of it. It's just going to be raw footage. No, all, all of it. All or, of it. Uh, Birds of Clay on Twitter. Uh, uh, Birds of Clay on Letterbox. Mr. Clay Williams on Instagram. Um, you can follow the podcast Twitter account at Pod. You can follow the podcast uh, Insta- Instagram account, which I need to. I've been taking a bit of a break. I've just things have gone hectic lately. I'm going to get back on it. Um, but you can follow the Instagram. Oh, account our at, account. Uh, all right. I thought you meant your personal account. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But, oh. Sorry. I mean, I'm in charge. I'm technically in charge of it. But yeah, exiting 2010s on Instagram. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, uh, whatever podcast platform you listen us on to. Share on your social medias. Get the word out. Stress it to a friend. Whatever you can do. Greatly appreciate it. Stay safe. Be good to yourself. Get vaccinated. Get that booster. Do what you got to do. Flu shots, uh, too. All- that's, the, that's the time. For- there you go. You got it. You know, it, it, it's, it's the time. Let's Let's, you know. Just get it. Just get the shot. That's all you got. I do. did not mean to be that corny with it's the time. It's, it's <laughs> not sure. Where, yeah. which, not sure where that came from. <laughs> no, it's but it is the time. Like 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 fucking just let's just do it. Um, it sounds like something you'd see on the billboard in Succession. Like we're oh here for boy. you. It's the time. We we are we're, we're here. We hear you. We hear you. We hear. <laughs> um. After yeah, after they talk about always... how they care for women, it would cut to a shot of us. You know, it's like right. Of course. Let, yeah. <laughs> Uh, as always, Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate, Free Palestine, Trans, li- tra- trans Rights or Human Rights, and catch y'all next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.